shaman, 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 shaman. Big twist. La, 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 la. Oscar noms. We bought him. Kevin Wendell Crumb. It was the kids, David. Kevin Wendell Crumb. It was the kids. Papa, you can bench. I see dead Cass. I see my swole dad. I see a dead director's career. Well, come on, douchebag. Do some science. That's from The Happening. Hey, guys. (laughs) Sweet Mark Wahlberg. All right. What up? Welcome to We Bought a Mic. I'm Ernest Calderon. I am Hunter Mobley. I'm Drew Dietzen, and we have our crowning most. This has got to be the most appearance record for on any podcast yeah. Yeah. ever. Ever. <laughs> if yeah, this no. were SNL, you'd get like the the jacket. Now you get to hang out in the lounge. He's that they back. Have. Do, for I, the, do I not have a jacket here? This is like uh, I don't want to be back order. <laughs> it was expensive. It's, it's just like order. a plastic Walmart bag that you yeah. just suffocate yourself this is like, with. This is like five timers club territory. Yeah. Oh, it's Mister Harry Sayer. Hello, everybody. I am back to get weird with glass. Yeah, I love getting weird with glass. Um, yeah, so uh, last time was what Creed two. It was Creed so two. We'll that see. Right. We'll see how this one stacks up <laughs> against the great uh, mm. Stallone times. Momentous of the momentous Creed two occasion. Yeah, we're talking Glass. Uh, we're talking Unbreakable, uh, Oscar nominations, and maybe maybe a little little split. Yeah, we know. got it. James split, Blake. We have a couple things planned, so we'll see what uh, we have time for. But we've been we living just... in the past on this podcast. We've been living in 2018, and it's yeah. not 2018 anymore. It's time to get with the fucking time. Embrace the future. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Open. That's how. That's how we're ringing in the the official uh, first. I guess first real episode of 2019. Now that Listomania is over, we got to do it with Harry, oh, and we got to do it with uh, our boys. M. Night Shyamalan. Uh But yeah, let's let's get these Oscar nominations out of the way because um, I don't want to I don't want to revel in this shit too long because it's it's rough, guys. It's a bloodbath. It's pretty it, bad. It is, but I mean, we it's what we expected. Let's be honest. We kind of already knew, like, yeah, of course, Green Book's gonna get a lot of love. Well, yeah, the Mean Rhapsody's gonna get a did, lot of love. Did we know that? Yeah, I, I did. <laughs> no. When did we? When was the last time that the Oscar nominations came out and everyone was like, "Oh fuck yeah, you nailed it"? Yes. No, that doesn't happen. That happened a little bit last year, where it was just like, "All right, yeah. Get Out got nominated for Best Picture." Lady yeah, Bird the nominees nominated. were there last year for sure, but, but th- this year we, yeah, we knew Bohemian Rhapsody was for some reason in the mix. Uh, at this point, though, with the recent news, I think that it's pretty much out. I think Rami might be out as well. Yeah, and for, especially maybe with that'll the be the only one. I think he's out because he just came out and he was like, "Oh, I didn't know Brian Singer was." A pedophile? What the, what the H? It's like, that's oh, not... to me. Oh like... no. <laughs> um, when yeah, everybody knows. Uh, but yeah, they they were pretty rough. Uh, there's some obviously they're not just going to be completely devoid of good films and performances. Like uh, the favorite is all over this thing. Yeah. Which ten nominations? That's a, oh, that's yeah. so many. It made me happy. Roma's in there. That's also cool. Ten. Biggest loser for the nominees definitely has to be A Star Is Born. Yes. I mean, think about where we were two months from now. We thought that A Star Is Born had a chance to sweep the big five. We thought that it could be one of those rare movies that yeah. it hit every high note. And Cooper isn't even nominated for best director. 
Yeah, like that is that is insane. Hundred percent agree. It's very surprising that the Star Is Born got left in the cold like this. It makes me, you know what? Uh, It makes me sad. I really liked it. I loved it. Okay, good. It makes me sad because now I remember when Star Is Born came out. I was kind of just like begrudging the fact that I was like, "Uh, Star Is Born is pretty good. It's just gonna win everything. And now to think that a Star Is Born almost isn't even in the conversation. Now we have to worry about fucking Green Book and Bohemian Rhapsody winning. Yeah, you didn't know what you had. I missed the days (laughs) when it was just like a Star Is Born versus the favorite versus black Klansman. uh so, earlier today i i watched this video of bradley cooper joining lady gaga in las vegas to sing shallow mm. at one of her concerts and i was like this is cute but guys do just just call it yeah, call it a day let it go <laughs> call it a day man i'm sorry it's it, it came off as like a little bit of a stunt to be like hey man like don't don't forget come about on this. don't did it just come out too early was that the problem that, that came out in it. october because yeah. i mean I, also first man i mean i had a feeling that this was gonna happen just because it did not do well commercially or anything despite the fact that i think that it's a marvel technically it did get some technical love but no uh, director nomination for Chazelle. No Claire Foy. No Claire Foy. No Justin Hurwitz for so, score. Well, Justin the, Hurwitz not being nominated is a crime. The The most interesting thing, I think, is because my pitfall personally for the movie, the reason I wouldn't give it like a 10, is the script by Josh Singer. Uh, however, Josh Singer wrote the post, which won Best Picture. Or it no. did not win. No, Spotlight. He wrote yeah. Spotlight, which won Best Picture. Yeah. And he wrote the post, which was certainly nominated and won plenty of other shit. So... As far as their perspective goes, I'm wondering what they're missing, um, because I know what I was missing, but like they're stupid. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> not even because I don't know where the line is. Because I really thought Beale Street. I thought that this was going to be a year where we would actually see ten nominations for Best Picture. Yeah, there was room for so Beale Street wide open. There was room for Beale Street and First Man, and, and they just got shut we out. Got the eight movies that we have. I think two of them for sure don't belong here. I'd really probably push it to three but yeah the the best picture nominees are black panther black klansman bohemian rhapsody the favorite roma green book a star is born and vice this is not a good list that's that's uh, <laughs> two of them are up. mediocre to bad one of them has its moments um and i really think that there's one great movie two great movies on this list and then a few good movies and then some shout out movies. to Spike Lee though for getting his first True. best director nomination, mm. which is ever. kind of funny. This is like his like fourth or fifth best movie. Um, and he, and yeah, actually, I just saw a clip of uh, the Oscars when Do the Right Thing came out because he was there were like no nominations for it. And man, I wish her, I knew her name, but the woman who went up, she was just supposed to give like one of those like little canned speeches, mm-hmm. like a little monologue. And she was like, there are a lot of great nominees on this list, but <laughs> Like, come the fuck on. Like, what? What? <laughs> yeah, that was the year that like, uh, Driving Miss Daisy won. Yeah, exactly. God, which was which was Green Book. I, I haven't seen say. it, but isn't it Green Book? It yeah, Green it's Book. Green Book, which um, <clears throat> I have uh, I have two jokes I've rehearsed for this one. Okay. <clears throat> driving Miss Daisy, more like Driving Mr. Daisy. Wow. Oh, boy. Okay, yes. and then here's another one. Oh, yeah, okay. Driving Miss Davy- Daisy, but this time, <laughs> Daisy's driving him. Oh. Yeah. Apparently what the Academy loves thank you, is thank you. Uh, <laughs> cringy, like, very superficial race drama and road trips. No, okay. So so I'll just go ahead. I'll quickly talk about my thoughts on Green Book because I saw it yesterday. Um, It's perfectly mediocre. It is. It's a fine movie. It kind of reminds me of 
uh, some movies that come out every now and then. You see them and you're like, okay, yeah, that was fine. And then you hear it's nominated for Best Picture and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is, it's, it's a right. buddy road comedy. Like, there's nothing really, it, it would just be like super, like, non effective at all there's if it wasn't there. for the fact that it that takes place with race relations there's yeah. three different scenes with cops being racist in the south and then one scene with a cop in the north and it's like hey racism doesn't exist above the mason dixon line well, except for lost, in subtleties so. yeah um it is it's mahershala is really good in it um i don't think that he's as great as people are making out to be i think that he does the most with a underwritten character vigo mortensen is charming but he really plays the uh the what would be the quote-unquote classic black character he basically plays the italian version of kevin hart on this movie i heard it was aggressively italian yeah oh no i mean it's it he is so stereotypical my famous impression i think encapsulates it the best i'm not gonna do it guys stop stop i'm not gonna do it and then it might sneak in it's like between this and green mile and uh green room um, no, not Green Room. No, but with these That's movies where it's basically like it takes a magical black person to cure uh, racism. Right. I think Spike Lee, I don't know if he coined the term or popularized it, but he uh, came up with the term magical Negro. Is like that's what you need in order to like cure racism is you just need this magical black person to come along to be like, hey, look, I'm sophisticated. Yeah, just exactly. Like you. So why is it called Green Book? Because um, so back in the civil rights era days uh, – Black people, whenever they wanted to travel around, they had to have this thing called the Green Book, which had a list of like all hotels, all bars, all restaurants that you can eat at that are segregated, so oh. that like you can actually you're allowed there. And it's just like oh. the Green Book is your key to uh, stress free wow. traveling. It's, it's like cinema. Like it's like hobo code. Like just <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just I don't know like, if I should apologize like for that or not. But um, <laughs> hey, um, we, uh, a mic we have lots like of to... homeless people that listen to this podcast. Okay, Harry. Yeah. Harry, thank you so much for coming on for the final time. Um, <laughs> and goodbye. So here's what's going against Green Book. Um, there is finally some press about the actual story that happened, and the the estate of Don Shirley, the actual uh, pianist who this is about. Uh, they've come out and said a. Uh, this production did not contact us once to verify any facts about what happened. Yeah, it's all based on um, yeah. <laughs> the uh, uh, Vigo's... Tony Lips character, yeah. his son, exactly. And B, yeah, so yeah, they they only asked the guy who is made out to be a a really good dude. B, uh, Don Shirley did not consider himself a friend of this man at all. Yeah, they were not they were not buddies. And what's funny is the movie they did ends, not bond. The movie ends, and it's just like they continue to be lifelong friends. Then they died within months of each other. Oh in my 2000, god! And you're like, they died are you holding kidding? hands. They're yeah. buried. Next they found to their each skeletons other. like I, <laughs> cuddling. So I saw this movie with a packed audience oh. of like 75 year old white people. Yeah, this checks. Um, there was a couple of black people in there and I was telling them before the, uh, before we started the pod that the trailers that they showed before this movie was like, they're trying to play both sides. So they play like the Downton Abbey movie trailer and then like what men want. <laughs> and you're like, what movie am I getting myself into right now? I have no idea what's happening. That's pretty, that's interesting. <laughs> oh, also I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, the title for who saved jazz, it's no longer, belongs to ryan gosling it's now mahershala Ali oh thank god save jazz well, music i want to i want to give a quick shout out to this category uh best supporting actor it's mahershala Ali, adam driver for black klansman mm-hmm. sam awesome elliott 
for A Star Is Born. Real fucking good in that. Yeah. Richard E. Grant for Can You Ever Forgive Me? And Sam Rockwell for Vice. Horseshit. Mm. This is, this is <laughs> well, horse shit. In terms of like the actors here, this is a great group. Like yeah, that, that's a great group of guys right there. Sam Rockwell is playing like a Mad Magazine version of George W. Bush. That's, I kind of, I kind of forgot. Charming. I kind of forgot what W actually looked like while I was watching that movie. Fair, but <laughs> certainly not like Sam Rockwell. I, I will say, not even a little. That I think Christian Bale is really goddamn funny in Vice. Yeah, he's really, really. I, solid. And I think that I mean, we talked about the problem, the other problems with Bohemian, aside from being a garbage movie, and uh, now it seems like it's between Rami and Christian Bale. But it really seems like this kind is of it really? is going to be all bail. Like, yeah. I heard uh, some people talking about, I can't really place who it was, I think it might have been on the big picture or something, but now in life without Daniel Day-Lewis and without a lot of these other movie stars, Hollywood needs a star. They need a true movie star. Mm. And Christian Bale is that figure they can get to where he'll he's, transform he's, yeah. his body. He's method for he'll sure. Joaquin he is takes. the one we need, the, the one we don't deserve. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Joaquin's joke? busy doing a uh, yeah honestly yeah God damn it. he's busy doing <laughs> small films with Lynn Ramsey yeah yeah uh, and, what and are the chances of Bradley Cooper winning this? In a just world, 100%. But <laughs> nice. Thank I you. I Thank know. you for Were helping me here. not big on A Star is Born? I was put, the only one put... with it on my list. Wow. I, I, I loved it. I yeah. like it. I think that's good. I'm looking at this best picture I think, list. I mean, like, I think Bradley Cooper deserves uh, to win the award over Lady Gaga, personally, because I think that he is... I think that movie falls apart if he's bad more so than if she is bad. I agree, because the movie's Like, he's more he's the amazing. MVP of Well, all right. Best Actress is crazy we got Alicia Paricio for Roma Glenn Close Olivia Coleman Lady Gaga and Mel and Melissa McCarthy that's so that's a stack so McCarthy snuck in over uh what Elsie from eighth grade yeah and who was the other big snub there there was another big one I mean uh, people were mad about Nicole Kidman that seemed like it was an Oscar made I would, really did, I would yeah. say probably um I I don't know I was gonna say um hereditary um Oh, Tony, Tony Collette. Tony Collette. I, I, yeah, yeah, I would have stand for that. Tony Collette, but I knew that that was not yeah, happening. Yeah, that is the biggest letterboxed rage. Yeah. That and Ethan Hawke. They win the Oscars <laughs> no, on Letterboxd. Okay, no, oh, we're, we're going to talk about Ethan Hawke right the sleeping now. giant. <laughs> Ethan Hawke was fucking robbed. And, okay, so I didn't actually watch I'm, this I'm happy live. that I'm happy that Willem Dafoe snuck in there for At Eternity's Gate, but I, I needed Hunter, Ethan er, to Ernest, I... I think you know what I mean. If you've seen the end of First Reformed, I think you know what you need to do at the Oscars oh, this year. Oh, okay. Oh, my Piss God. my pants? Yeah. <laughs> um, <that's, laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> be a ghost the whole time. I, like, I didn't watch this live, but uh, apparently, while they were doing the announcement, they announced a best original screenplay first. Yeah, and Paul, Paul Schrader, Schrader got the nomination, yeah. which is awesome. I'm so glad this movie got some love. And then that happened. It seemed like it was perfectly setting up for Ethan Hawke to get in yeah. there. And then just no no Ethan Hawke nom. Uh, um, also, while we're on snubs, won't you be my neighbor not being nominated for documentary? Yeah, yeah, so all these others, I was like mentally prepared. I was like, yeah, there's no just uh, nature of this world. That one was just like... How like, did this happen? I, I ima- I've, am I crazy or like a month ago, wasn't that just like... like gonna uh, yeah. win it's like oh, <laughs> like it's it wasn't win. even a question yeah, well i mean before <laughs> so uh, mi- before minding the gap everybody it was like by widely considered by most accounts before minding the gap and free solo i guess it was considered the best documentary of the year and then just disappeared just like that truly a strange yeah. one like truly weird my biggest personal grievance aside from ethan hawk 
is no burning for best foreign film. I think burning is one of the best movies of the year. And for that to get not even nominated is just like shocking to me. I knew it wasn't going to win because nothing's beating Roma in this category. Well, going, going back to won't you be my neighbor? I I have a feeling that maybe the narrative of it being the clear winner actually ended up hurting it. People, if too many people nominating were just like, Oh yeah, it's going to win. I don't like, I want to give love to this other movie. Yeah. The next thing you know, boom, it doesn't even end up on the list. I um, I another huge winner is Cold War. This Polish yeah, movie for best director, best director, best foreign film, of course. But um, and cinematography. cinematography. Yeah, it was a movie which I've been seeing commercials for it and stuff like that. But it did not seem like it was going to be a big awardsy movie. Yeah, but. a couple other surprises is Isle of Dogs for best score. That's interesting. Uh, a Quiet it's, Place. It's Alexandre Duplat who just won last year. So oh, that makes for sense why. Sound of uh, Shape of Water. Shape of Water. Um, also, uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs came away with three nominations. Yeah, that's, that's cool. awesome. Yeah, um, yeah, and I do like a Quiet Place for sound design. I even mentioned yeah. when we watched it, the Foley work in that movie is is. I mean, it had to be because it's all you're hearing. It's it's really really good. Yeah, you're never like, okay, that's not what paper crackling sounds like. <laughs> Which in a lot of movies, if you really pay attention, it's they don't have to put that much work into right. it because you don't know that movie is the sound. It's yeah. all the yeah, sound. yeah yeah. But yeah, Ballad of Buster Scruggs, it came away with the best adapted screenplay now. Like that's that I did not expect no, that. No, I was not expecting that at all. I also didn't know it was adapted from anything too. So that yeah, was also, what is Yeah, I had no idea that was a I thing. I don't know. Also, no Suspiria for makeup. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's that's shocking that intense. no makeup for that. Yeah. No and then no love for Mission Impossible, Hereditary, Eighth Grade, Paddington Two, no blind spotting. All these movies that like, could have snuck in there. Just name five movies that are better than like yeah, than yeah. most seventy five percent movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I I've been staring at supporting actress Amy Adams for Vice for the last three minutes and like I just <laughs> I'm in like this blood rage. Well, do you like, guys do you guys want to talk? Wins. What I if she fucking know. wins? I'm gonna walk into the ocean. Like I don't fucking understand what's think, going on. Right I think now. that's Re- uh, Regina King's. Oh, uh, Regina King has okay. got. Because yeah. yeah. I think that the votes are going to be split between Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz since there are two of them. I mean, the fact that The Favorite got three female nominees awesome. out of their three leading yeah. women, that's amazing. I love that that's movie. That's awesome. And I think that I'd personally give it to Rachel Weisz out of all of the nominees on here, but Regina King kind of seems like she's been kind of doing the whole circuit run. She'll probably, yeah, and it'll probably be the only win for Beale Street unless Beale Street can win the original score. Original score. I'm I'm holding on strong for Nicholas Bertel's score. That yeah. score is so good. It's it's my favorite score of the year. Okay, another thing that I was just, I know, have you guys seen Mary Poppins Returns? No. no nah. So I think it's it's fun it's a good movie it's probably the best musical since la la land i I mean it's not like that's a huge it's not like people are popping out musicals these days (laughs) but um i think that's like it's a really fun movie and i was shocked not to see it get more love there's no Mm. um no emily blunt nomination no best picture nomination Uh, it just seemed like it was gonna be like the family friendly this i mean this this year was back loaded with so many movies super late in the year yeah and i I honestly can't help but feel like the Academy voters, their only job is not to watch these movies. I just, I feel like they didn't watch all of them. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you ever read like anonymous interviews with like these old ass motherfuckers, they didn't watch these fucking movies. This, this best, of course they didn't. This best picture list is some pandering nonsense. Like, I really, (laughs) I don't know. Like, no, it sucks. Uh, We don't even have to spend more time on it because we knew it was going to suck and it sucks. Did you guys want to talk Vice a little bit? I haven't seen it. I would like to. All right. Well, I mean, 
It's not going to win much, I don't think. I it's think up for best Bale's... editing. It could win that. I mean, uh, the editing I did not care for in this movie at yeah. all. That was Vice, one of my least favorite things. Vice, I, I think, is a very interesting it's, movie. It's very complicated. I've definitely, my opinion on it has grown since seeing the movie. Really? Um, yes. Oh, Harry, wow. Harry, I understand that you loved it. I <laughs> had that... so, Well, I watched it, and I actually was like, I watched it with my brother, who was who's 17, and a lot of this was before his time, and he mm. was picking up on stuff. Me, I n- knew like 95% of the stuff going in, mm-hmm. and I walked out knowing the 90% I had already known, yeah. and then every day since, I've been like, that was a fucking mess. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. It just, sell me, sell me. Really? Wanna... Okay, so my biggest nitpick in the whole movie is editing. That's why I'm kind of shocked that it got nominated for editing, because you'll have these like scenes which are really interesting and cool. I mean, it definitely, it's... Very, very similar to this new Adam McKay thing that he's doing because it's it's very similar to the big short in the style of editing oh, that yeah. they do and kind of the mannerisms in which people talk and break the third ro- the third wall constantly. Oh boy, um, I'm not excited. Did you not? But like the, the I, thing I that did, takes me but... off of it is you'll see like Christian Bale's as a. Cheney get like a look in his eye and it cuts to like a lion chasing down a gazelle yeah, or something like that it's like it cuts to like disaster footage the, and you're the, like what the difference what? between this movie and the big uh short to me i keep trying to say big sick is that <laughs> the big short had like and this is not my this is like a pretty well-known criticism online so it's not like i'm coming up with this myself but it's it's such a the big short had so much information that it could pick and choose from and create a bunch of different perspectives and an interesting narrative while using those uh, those those breaks to kind of fill you in more to like make you understand mm-hmm. it. He does the same approach for Vice, but he doesn't really get into who Dick Cheney is at all. And he's a very that's a very secretive man. There's not a lot yeah. of information you can get. But the what you end up with is just a guy hitting the cliff notes of shit you've known for ten well, years. Well, that's why. Yeah. I, and that's why it's I'm nothing. I don't mind Amy Adams getting nominated because I feel like Amy Adams Lynn Cheney character had to do a lot of the heavy lifting. For that movie, I boy, and she, I did not think she did very well. Well, the movie, that, the movie is is way too split because yeah. at one one this side, is the of it, second time we've just mentioned the word split casually in conversation. <laughs> split. It's it's, it's <laughs> you could say there's 23 different personalities in the movie, it, yeah, and it breaks like glass. You know, just <laughs> it uh, part of it is like almost like a documentary about the rise of the modern Republican Party, mm-hmm. yeah. and then the other part is like this weird like character study of a man who's vying for political power but, and but, and it doesn't like those two sides like you don't never quite really gel. understand why exactly he's a republican except for mm. he sees donald rumsfeld somewhere he's just like i want to be just like because that because it's like if they don't tell you anything yeah, so it's, it's just shallow. like it's it is the definition of shallow okay there is nothing well, like, i really yeah no i love what you said what you said earlier about the big short that's why i haven't been rushing to see this movie because that aspect of the big short where they over explain things was totally necessary because the housing market is actually complicated yeah and it's actually something that I, the vast majority of people do not know of i think most people it, the very least know that Dick Cheney was running shit and that he sucked. That was the joke on all the late night shows back, even in like 2003. It was like, you know, Cheney's the guy. And, well, that's and, when McKay and Adam was, McKay was writing for SNL. He yeah, was writing. It, well, those yeah, sketches. exactly. So it's just I. That's why I haven't been rushing a seat because I, I'm like I don't need. The big short was like kind of tongue in cheek, like, "Hey, idiot, this is what happened." I don't need to be treated like I'm five and about it, this. It's it's like it's like if the big short is like he used all these ingredients to make a pretty nice cake. You know, he just 
put in way too much fucking flour and eggs and nonsense and it's just the same ingredients but it tastes like shit like i, I don't I, know why i'm so angry about i will this. push back just a little bit <laughs> sure, because yeah. i do think this is a better movie than the big short i would rather oh, rewatch no this than the big short no i would rather rewatch this than the, i don't like the big short yeah. i did not it, the big short it preach it's it is more preachy than this movie is this movie because you can honestly there's a reason why both Democrats and Republicans are both angry at this movie because it gives a reason for you to be angry on both sides. Yeah, but at least at least the big short works as a comedy. Vice doesn't work as either a comedy or a drama. It doesn't commit to either side, and and it comes off as like this I, weird sporadic but I don't mosaic. Think that, I don't think this movie's mm-hmm. ever boring. I found the big short boring at times. I thought that the pacing in the big short got super super tedious. I never found this to be tedious, and I think that it's mostly because there's good performances in here like i love steve carell as donald Rumsfeld. Yeah. i thought that he was amazing oh. and despicable and i hated how much i, I loved dude, him I christian he was bale fine christian bale is very good christian bale has appeared yeah. i like yeah. i forgot that i was looking at christian yeah bale my favorite screen. part of his my favorite part of his that entire movie is how fucking good he lands uh his his react his the way he uh plays like uh, getting his third heart attack during yeah. uh, the florida election like yep. he's just like yep gonna go to the hospital guys <laughs> no i man that that's to each their own yeah <laughs> i mean okay so i, I don't want to sound like i'm too high on it. i still would give this like a six out of ten i don't think that this is like you know, a masterpiece so weirdly, weirdly I, I would too i just <laughs> yeah I, see like but, i don't feel like we're that far i, apart I really it, i actually really liked the big short and i liked what that what, what kind of style that was but then this just felt like the same thing but so demonstrably worse okay. like yeah, um yeah so what what else do we got? I want to talk about the new James Blake album. Okay, let yeah, let's do that really quick because I love this album. Yeah, I'm a so do huge I. fan. It's, it's a great um, album. I'm hooked on it. Uh, I haven't really found much to to dislike about it. It's uh, it's his fourth studio album. Uh, yep, fourth. Um, and James Blake started out as this like almost like singer songwriter type that took his uh, his piano ballads in a more kind of electronic direction. You could say he was like kind of like uh, a white man's Frank Ocean. Yeah, that's a kind of good way to put it. Yeah. Um, I, th- I feel like Frank Ocean is a white man's Frank Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> but, white, white dudes love Frank Ocean. But on this fourth album, like between the co- uh, the color event, what's it called? The, the color, color of everything. Yeah. The, the color in anything. Yeah. Between that and this, uh, which is called the Zoom Form, he's collaborated with a ton of hip hop artists. Yeah, uh, he was on the Black Panther album. After he, was he on... changed after Black Panther, <laughs> <laughs> and he is like really, really leaning into those influences. Yeah, well, he's leaning into that, and also he is for the first time in his musical career, he's in a very happy relationship with Jamila Jamil of the Good Place. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. insane. Um, I did not know that. Yeah, that that's what crazy. a power couple. That's up there with like Paul Thomas Anderson and Maya Rudolph for like just couples I want to chill with couples i would be happy to be like the third yeah in, in the relationship I hop up in there. the one that just gets pegged by both of them <laughs> um but yeah this this album i think personally i've always found james blake's music like pretty unbelievable singular uh he almost has ruined uh synthesizer heavy music for me because his synthesizers are so well developed. Yeah, the production is. Yeah, unmatched. he doesn't just he didn't he hardly ever takes a stock one that you'll find on Logic or on like Fruity Loops or anything. He develops these sounds so much. He's turning knobs, uh, which is the extent of how what I know about this. <laughs> um, and he, he the, so the soundscapes he's able to develop in the atmosphere of his music, it just makes a lot of other similar music just 
obsolete. Well, I mean, because he really is a musician who he like he almost expects you to like listen to his songs like very loud or with headphones on or anything just so you can hear the depth to like the sounds that he's creating because it's just it's soaring really yeah, that like, said uh his music has always been very moody uh very uh typically slower paced um dark and for that reason just a lot of the time i do not want to listen and to sometimes it. <laughs> the the production change ch- uh, the production um uh, choices that he makes are very like challenging to the the average oh ear. yeah 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 there's some songs like only a couple of songs that he's put out are like very kind of mainstream radio friendly most of his catalog is like borderline experimental yeah music. these are yeah he breaks the rules of harmony he breaks uh the rules of tempo and timekeeping but his his voice is always like so soothing like mm-hmm. a beautiful beautiful angelic voice that kind of yeah. ties all of this strange uh, instrumentation together yeah and so personally uh this album is what i wanted from him yeah like, this it, is it's a great direction <laughs> yeah. for well him, i mean for and him. because it has a little bit of both it has the moodiness and then it has like a song like where's the catch with an amazing andre 3000 Dude, verse this song that is so, good. is so catchy and so good and even something like mile high is just like i get that song stuck in my head already Assume form. Um, don't miss it. Came out last year, correct? That was the single yeah, off of this album. Uh, okay. Yeah, I've yeah. heard that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but yeah, this I think through and through, it's it's listenable throughout. Um, it still has the pacing and like the moodiness at points, but the point of the album is not just to be like, "Welcome to my mind." You know, <laughs> I'm James Blake. <laughs> um, which can get a little tiresome for me. And uh, so I, it for, for me, I get. I'm sure that you can make a a really good case for his past albums, particularly probably his debut in the second one being his best work. Mm-hmm. This is easily my favorite. The work second one overgrown is the one that's gotten him the most critical acclaim. That's, yeah. that's the one that people love. Like Life retrograde here, retrograde retrograde yeah. is still an incredible yeah. song. But I think on this, on this album on assume form, like when you look at the lyrics, you can tell that him and Tahani are like in love. Like they're super, super in love and he like really lays it down in some of these like barefoot in the park or can't believe the way we flow. Mm. He's just like being really almost like corny. Yeah. 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 It's what's what's the one song that he's like. um, Oh, man, I'm totally blanking on the on the one I'm thinking of. But there's this one where he's just like crooning this beautiful melody of uh, you were um, I got to look up the lyric. Yeah. but yeah, I love some of these yeah, songs. Well, and also I was going to say is Power that On. This feels kind song. of like a logical progression from The Color and Anything. Where The Color and Anything, it was I mean, I really enjoy that album too, but it does feel a little bit disparate at times where it's kind of just too sparse and few between. I mean, the music itself is very soothing, but it almost reminds me of like some later uh, this kind of not the best comparison, but like some later Beck stuff where it's more about the mood than it is about the song itself. Ooh, you know what I mean? Beck. Yeah, you know what? But you know what I'm getting at? Here. No, I do. Um, um, yeah, I just I've always wanted to hear like James Blake love songs and I've always wanted to hear James Blake's take on hip hop because whenever he plays with like, you know, 808s or like trap yeah. beats just in the background of a very sad, slow song, you're like, damn, he could do some stuff. Yes. And this is the stuff that I always wanted him to do. Some nice bass lines in there. The one that I was thinking of is, is Into the Red. Oh, it's uh, a great song. Yeah, it has yeah. the refrain. It's, uh, uh, she was the gold rush. She was the gold rush. 
Um, That's the one I was thinking. Shout out, shout out to Pitchfork for giving this album a 5.7. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> uh, and then James Blake tweeted out, uh, I guess they are still salty because James Blake... Uh, there, there have been a lot of rumors that Pitchfork is very toxically masculine. They hire mostly men. The women are not treated fairly there. There's just a, a really bitter environment there, which is obvious. Kind of a vice thing, or yeah, exactly. It's a lot like vice. Um, and it's and he, I think he made some sort of comment on it, like yeah, that sucks, or like he retweeted something. And he tweeted, he was like, yeah, it looks like they're still mad about that. Because like <laughs> yeah. giving this album a five point seven is nonsensical. You can call it lyrically less uh layered because it is uh it's a lot of these songs are just surface level i love you and uh because Probably his most like accessible album yeah and be- but because years. of the depth of his production and the synth- layered synthesizers you don't need every single component of it to be like operating on this super high deep level for it to have an, an immense amount of depth to yeah. analyze like i don't need lyrics that are blowing my mind when the music is blowing my mind it's fine you know yeah i i I'm excited. Uh, 2019 is off to a great start with this album. Yeah. So. Um, another album. That, did you want to talk about Toro Imoy? Oh yeah. I haven't. Do- I haven't dove into this one too much. Cause... I've been listening to this album. It's pretty a, frequently. It's a, let's, it's... let's 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 wait on that though. What's okay. called outer outer piece. Outer piece. Outer piece. I, I like it too, but I want to sit on it a little more. It's great. It's a really awesome album. And then another. I don't know if y'all listened to the single by uh, Vampire Weekend that came out, Harmony Hall. Yeah, we're we're gonna have to save a big vampire that's, discussion. That's vampire a great Weekend song. I'm, I'm excited for this new album. <laughs> oh, I'm so ready for it. I've been like going hard on Vampire Weekend the last mm. couple days. Okay. Uh, all right, so w- I want to talk about Unbreakable and Split. Uh, so should we have like a separate discussion mm-hmm. without referencing Glass? Yeah, honest. let's let's do that let's first keep, yeah. before we get into Glass. Let's I, yeah, just let's, talk Unbreakable. Let's, right, let's keep it. Let's I, keep it brief. I've seen but... Unbreakable twice in the last week. So it's oh, been, oh damn, it's been a lot. Is it your favorite M Night? By a little bit, um, by okay. like a shade above six cents. There's not that many to wanna, choose from. I want to so. revisit six cents because <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I like Unbreakable a lot. I saw it first in middle school, and I think it was kind of put off by how he transplanted the entire tone from the six cents into this ostensibly more lighthearted thing. Uh, as I've gotten older, I've come to appreciate that more, uh, and I think it's a really understated powerful movie about a depressed man who might divorce his wife while Samuel L. Jackson yells about cartoon characters in the background. <laughs> I, I I think it's really strong and um, I've come to appreciate it more and more, especially coming to appreciate Samuel L. Jackson's character more, who originally I hated. That was corny as fuck. Because he's so lame. He's yeah, just, he's, very lame. he's the worst comic book nerd on the planet. He's like, listen, these cartoons are serious. And I'm like, I want to give you... They're based on Roman mythology. I, I want to give you a wedgie, you know? But <laughs> yeah. like, you know, I mean, I mean, I think I think the Unbreakable ending, like, not the, not to compare it to The Sixth Sense in terms of, like, plot, but the way they execute it is very, like, telling of, like, M. Night Shyamalan's future traits that kind of sink him as a director where he comes <laughs> yeah because in the sixth sense you know the the twist is he's a ghost but they they t- they have one line and then they show you it all on the screen it's all visual and you figure it out in unbreakable it's literally samuel yeah. l jackson screaming it to the it's saying the it and then it's just like text coming he's over like, the screen and then credits yeah, and you're like, like that was he he literally yeah. says sometimes the hero is the opposite of a bad guy of a good guy <laughs> and sometimes they're friends like you and me and it's like but but i've come to be kind of like fond of that especially in this more like 
cookie cutter like assembly line kind of big blockbusters. I think M Night Shyamalan is weird, but I really like my Think Unbreakable. Um, it's his best movie. So I went into this trilogy uh, raw dog. I had not. Oh, seen you raw dogged it. Hadn't man. seen yeah. any of these movies before. I had just seen Unbreakable for the first time last week. Yeah, I've seen Split. I would just want to say quickly, I saw Split without seeing Unbreakable. Yeah, and I Same. saw it in a the theater, yeah. and saw, everybody was freaking out at the end, and I was like. Is this connected to the Sixth Sense or like what? I see Bruce <laughs> yeah. Willis. Didn't we there all see it together? Actually, I think, yeah, I think I remember going. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. funny. I remember because I was like, "All right, sorry, we, go ahead, Drew." Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I went in Raw Dog. Uh, I watched Unbreakable. This is his follow up to Sixth Sense. Uh, like one or two years afterward. Yeah, Sixth Sense was ninety nine. It didn't. Unbreakable two thousand. It didn't quite come together for me as a as a film. Um, I think if I had seen it as a kid, I would have liked it more because it plays with this. This is still in the period where Shyamalan was like pulling the pages straight from Spielberg's filmmaking school. Mm-hmm. He's doing these long pans, these wonders, the childlike sense of wonder, the question like, could there be magic? The child who knows everything before the adults do. It's very, very, very now, Spielberg. It's it not a lot like of it. wonder and unbreakable. That's a pretty bummer movie. But yeah, yeah I know. Well, just saying. like the concept <laughs> of like, could it be or no, it couldn't be like yeah. that's, it's just it always very Spielberg, and I so I appreciate what he was doing because he's taking that template and he's doing something weirder than Spielberg would ever try to do. Uh, however, I just I think that now we're gonna get into this a little bit. I think that you know who has multiple personalities is M Night. Whoa. <laughs> I, Whoa! I think inside him is an auteurist, very serious filmmaker, and an extremely corny boy. I. And they're yes. fighting each other. I 100% agree, yeah. but I would say they are not fighting. I think they are <laughs> super hilariously endearing compliments to one another. He is weird as shit, and I really so, like I, that about I him. I feel like your your mileage may vary. I think yeah. that M. Night is a masterful director and a mediocre writer. And I yeah. wish that he would just oh, yeah. I wish that he would just direct movies and just let other people yeah, work could, for him. So yeah, so where do we all feel about him as a director cuz I've been enjoying his kind of research and starting with the visit. See, I'm I'm I don't really I'm not too familiar with his work. Like whenever okay. one of his movies yeah. comes out and everyone's like, "Yeah, this movie sucks." I don't really I don't really care to watch it. Like I've seen I've seen uh Sixth Sense, Signs, the village mm-hmm. and those i thought were pretty well yeah. done movies absolutely then i went back That's after point, yeah actually. after yeah. seeing <laughs> split i thought split was pretty solid yeah, it's not absolutely. amazing That's but good, I, yeah. I thought it was solid went back and, and saw unbreakable uh unbreakable is one of my girlfriend's favorite movies of all really time. she loves it and i went into it like a little skeptical mm-hmm. but i i found myself really really enjoying it like i i i think Unbreakable might be his best movie. Wow! I want to. Oh. I want to go back and and see uh, Sixth Sense. I, I think but... Unbreakable's got a better emotional through line and kind of character arc than the Sixth Sense does. Uh, just like you, you, ca- I care more about like uh, what's David done than I yeah. do about who the fuck he was. Yeah. In Sixth Sense. Well, I or, I know? thought the more I thought about Unbreakable, the more I liked it because yeah, it's, it's that kind of movie. It's it's an allegory. It's a metaphor for middle age. Oh yeah. Like the whole story is just this man who like wanted to be a football star, and then now his in his middle age his his. Uh, his marriage that he chose over his football stardom is falling apart. I think well, that... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 sorry. One thing I was going to say that was... I mean, again, we're going to get into split and everything, but genius with the marketing behind this. This, this movie was marketed as a thriller. It was marketed mm-hmm. as a movie. It was the return of the director and star from The Sixth Sense and another thriller involving a train crash. And so 
I tried to put myself in that perspective of not knowing where these movies were going to go while watching it. True, and yeah. you can kind of read it as a middle-aged man who's having a midlife crisis and is trying to buy himself into the idea of like he's a superhero. That is and like emphatically maybe, what it's about. Maybe yeah. he's just like kind of losing his mind. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is something that is really, really well put together by M. Night. I, yeah. I think what's cool about, I mean, about Unbreakable, and it's like, it's it's not, again, it's not an obvious movie. The hero's theme literally plays not when he's beating up the bad guy, but when he, like, picks up his wife and goes to sleep with her. Like, yeah. it's very obvious about what it's trying to say, and I just, I it works very well for me. Yeah, it, and it, yeah, because it has that angle. It's, it's yeah, it is a domestic superhero story, because it has the angle of, like, oh, if, you know, middle-aged man is trying to reclaim his masculinity by being, a, you know, his version of a hero. And then there's also the... Uh, the feeling of when you're a little kid of like, man, my dad is super huge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my dad is so strong and he could fucking beat up your dad um, and he can do anything. So yeah, it has both of those angles working for it. The reason it didn't quite work for me, there are a few. Uh, pacing wise, I really appreciate how he M. Night used to take his time with oh, his movies and just movies in general. This, so slow. this is paced like a 90s and before movies. Mm. And then there's a distinct break b- between this and Split. That's the biggest difference, in my opinion, is just like this, oh, yeah. the snappiness is there with Split. Most of it really worked for me in Unbreakable because mm-hmm. the like his framing, his shot composition oh is just- gorgeous. On the train itself, when you just have that all that long take that's like yes. from the kid's view looking in between back yeah. and forth. And you see him take like the kind of take where he just takes off the ring as he sees her arrive and it's all playing out in the one shot. There's yes. so many yeah, there's so many long takes. There's the 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 shot when he's on the date with the wife with Robin yeah. Wright, and it just very, very slowly yeah. zooms it's in. A beautiful or, movie. Talk about tension, the scene where his son picks up the gun oh, to shoot him ugh. in one the take. long take. That kid's oh. a serial killer. I'm putting money down <laughs> that now. Spencer Treat Clark is a freaking weirdo. Also, I mean, yeah, you saw his kid. beady little eyes when he grows up. He's got yeah. dead people eyes. He had them when he was a kid. He he's black, got them now. Yeah, black eyes. <laughs> That's also, why they couldn't recast him. He shark size. He like looks a doll's too scary. Eyes. The, the shots... Um, the sequence when Mr. Glass falls down the stairs. Yeah, that's like Jesus. a comic. That's a comic book yeah. panel right yeah. there. Like, like all you can, of those. You can like see the shots. panels basically, yeah. just like the ah. Uh, yeah, like Oof, this, the it's it's expertly <laughs> yeah. done. So um, how do we? Oh yeah, go sorry. Ahead. Yeah. Well, I wanted to say what what didn't work for me because I appreciate that that level of pacing. Typically, I think in some scenes it was really wonky, um, and like particularly this the weightlifting scene, which is. <laughs> It is a, it's really cornball. Well, it's a good scene, and I would have loved that scene if it were done in a way that I would have liked better. But it takes probably five minutes uh, for them to add a, po- a total of maybe 40 or 50 pounds yeah, they to take the their bench. time. <laughs> like, you could have done more weight, or you could have had a shorter scene. Um, that's one thing I think M. Night needs to work on, is... is his pacing is just all over the place sometimes. Hey, M. Night, we're here to give you some advice. Um, yeah. You look like you're struggling out there. Listen, you're struggling to feed your Do you want to stop self-funding your movies? Of course you do. Yeah. Um, the the other issue is that, like you said, I think that he he has sort of a tenuous understanding on what human beings are like sometimes. Does not write, does not write great dialogue for people. Um, yeah, exactly. A lot of the dialogue kind of falls apart for me. Uh, Sam, Sam L. Jackson is his character is just almost in a different movie. You know, he is, he's cartoonish and then he's, there's this extremely grounded movie happening all around him. Um, 
and then we have Bruce, who I understand that he is a man with depression, so sometimes there's not a lot to work with there, but he is also, he's a brick wall a lot yeah. of the time. He's so boring. But a, that's just how po- what he always does. A podcast, I like to describe him as like a shuffling golem in this movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, he just, he really, like, we're just, we're following him, and it's just like, there's got to be someone doing something more interesting in the world right See, now. <laughs> I think he's really, I think he's like, I think that understated performance is actually pretty, pretty effective. Well, I, I, like, yeah. I like his I performance. Yeah. I don't think Bruce did anything wrong but i in a lot of scenes it is just too much this is a very understated movie and i totally get if it can be too much yeah it is it yeah a lot of times it is just because i I really had to work to get to the depression through line um when it really could have been a lot more apparent and i don't think anything would have been damaged well think think about um i think we talked about die hard a a Mm -hmm. while a few months back and i mentioned how like bruce willis that's the perfect role for him because yeah. of his reluctance because he's the mm-hmm. reluctant hero yeah yeah and david dunn like you could apply that same sentiment he like plays he's sadness not, really definitely. well i just yeah. think yeah. honestly i think he's too stupid he is he's a dumb guy he's a dumb person <laughs> he's but, fucking stupid but i think i think what m night is trying to do is like it's trying to make a superhero movie for the average dumb, dumb white guy <laughs> By the way, guys, idiot. I forgot to tell you guys, but I got Bruce Willis to come on the podcast. Uh, so he's Bruce. listening right now. I, yeah, I, I like that it's just this very sad movie about two incredibly broken people. And then just Samuel Jackson's whole plot of just trying to twist the real world into this cartoon world that he grew up obsessing over because he can't fucking walk right. Like, yeah, I, it's just I, it's I, such a bummer of a movie, but I love it. I definitely yeah, I liked a lot that was happening with the movie. I just I wanted to like it more. That's how I find myself feeling after watching a lot of M Night movies. Yeah, because like you know that the potential's there. Exactly, and he, I, he displays I, brilliance. So I do often. think I think that this is the best directed movie that he's ever done. But I don't think this is my best, my favorite movie by him. I think that I'd probably have this third behind both uh, Sixth Sense and um, The Village. I the love The Village. All right. I Joaquin. stand by The Village. I think that Joaquin is absolutely incredible in that movie. I think it's a movie where the twist actually works, that they're just in this like Amish society. Ever- Spoilers for The Village, I guess. <laughs> but I think yeah. that's a truly effective and gripping horror thriller. I've got to rewatch it. I got to. I think I have to discount it on the principle of uh, Adrian Brody's performance. Like, I love Adrian Brody. <laughs> really? Don't you dare talk on, trash on purpose about in that Brody. in this movie. Yeah, just okay. in general. I yeah, just I think love Adrian a, Brody. I just want to have a beer with him. <laughs> oh my god! Him, so I like him. Um, yeah. All right, let's get into Split. Yeah. yeah. Um. So we we saw this in the theater. You saw this recently. Yeah, I saw this uh, two days ago for okay. the first time. Oh, you went all in on this. Yeah. Okay. So we, yeah. So we have uh, Unbreakable. It was uh, it was meant to have sequels. I get, did it not do well enough. It, it did, did solid. Very, it did solid. Yeah, but in night in night always said like he didn't want to make a superhero fridge. I mean, think about well, also the time period where Unbreakable came out. To. Is that before X Men? Spider Man. Spider Man had just come out, the first Spider Man movie. But other than that, like this uh, was well before no, the MCU first Spider Man was O two. Yeah, this is way earlier, man. Oh wait, so this is like two years before. I, this is before any cast superhero <laughs> franchise. Blade. Then, so. Blade had come out. Blade. What about Blade Two? Had yeah, Blade maybe. Two. I, come that out was yet? the turning point. <laughs> yeah. I love 
this I'll save it for the glass talk, but I love how M. Night views his series of movies in context with other superhero movies. Yeah. I find it so funny. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> but yeah, with, sorry, with Split, Split with so, yeah, so this 2016. Is, this movie revolves around ja- James McAvoy playing a character that was originally in the script of Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, That's it was in a draft a of Unbreakable. Yeah. There was this character that, you know, fit in. He was part of the trio with Sam L. and uh, Bruce Willis of, you know, guys who. I mean, he was, you know, the same guy. He had 23 different personalities or whatever. Um, and so that didn't end up making the cut. But he was like, you know, that's no, I like that. What, what, <laughs> that I, always, what I always heard was that Unbreakable originally was made of like a much different movie. But they he basically made his original first act of Unbreakable become the whole movie. That, that was my other issue yeah. with the movie is that it felt like an act spread into three. Oh, I mean, sometimes. the ending yeah. is pretty anticlimactic in that movie <laughs> when he beats the guy up or whatever. No, I'm just like, talking about the very, very end when Samuel is just like, I planned for all of this to happen. It was the kids. They then... called me. It was the kids, David. <laughs> that, I didn't um, see. I didn't know that, and that makes a lot of yeah. sense to me. So, yeah, Split. Um, what do you think of Split? I found it enjoyable. Yeah, you know, I like. I like it. He he updated his style to make a commercially viable hit. Yeah, this movie did sensibly well, yeah. and it's yeah, hundred million dollars. It's a cheap like Blumhouse yeah approach. it's cheap it's you know it's derivative in a lot of ways it has the high school girls taking their shirts off and all that shit <laughs> here's um, what I'll say I like and this is also the visit I like that M. Night's kind of gone back to making cheap effective ass movies rather than going full in on his pretensions and Avatar doing, that, well yeah. the Avatar, Avatar is like After a, Earth. that movie's made by like a studio I mean like The Happening The Happening is like he's going all in on this fucking nightmare of idea so proud of his work and it sucks and now he's like I'm gonna put my own money down to make this movie work yeah. and like it feels like a much more raw honest kind of like, yeah yes it's, it's a self-contained thriller yeah. that becomes uh, a, a creature feature okay it is that's how i describe it yeah. yeah so i think that the first half of uh split is awesome mm-hmm. i love it everything while it's diving into like what did is and kind of trying to throw some humanity in there i actually it's kind of a controversial take but I love the psychiatrist in this movie. Oh, I, I like that. She's really good. I think I that love she her too. adds such a huge dynamic to this movie, and I really love her performance and the character writing there. I think this movie just completely falls apart when it becomes a superhero movie. For it, me, at is least. it a superhero? It's a super thing, villain movie. Yeah, super villain. A super villain movie. It becomes a creature feature, and yeah. I think that that's whenever I was so in in the first half that whenever I see James McAvoy crawling on the fucking ceiling, I was like, nope. I'm, well, I'm my my I'm thing done. is that like I don't know, like maybe I, I'm not like super well versed on this, but like I don't. Is DID like an aggressively legitimate like kind of mental disease? Well, and if well so, that's that's one of the things is that it is kind of one of those controversial things, but it yeah. is something that it's like almost closer to a form of schizophrenia. That it is, uh, it is I, a disease I, that people I, have out there. Multiple. Personalities I guess what I'm saying there. is the first half of the movie, which is about 24 different personalities, like having a holy war to take like the motor functions of mm. like James McAvoy. I think that's also ridiculous. So that when it becomes a creature feature, I'm like, all right, let's yeah, that's well, the weirdness. Let's go. Going. That's yeah. I mean, that's yeah. a lot of people have problems with the movie because it that is an absurd take on this disorder. And I think I think it's kind of it becomes the first half is uh, I think it's a lot more as more of an empathetic view of mental health, and I sure, think yeah, it. Yeah. Becomes more insulting towards people with mental health. Yeah, especially especially how it wraps up with the with the Anna Taylor Joy character because it's it's just like oh we're all the broken people so well, I'll let you go because I, I guess you just, know real pain. I never viewed this movie as having like a nuanced or really 
life accurate take on mental illness. I just thought it was a well, exactly. Movie. And the reason that it didn't strike me as like extremely offensive toward people with this disorder is because I don't have this. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, Jesus. No, it's, it's not that. It's it's because it becomes supernatural. Yeah. That that separates this movie from reality in a way that it's not like it's just an autistic person who now is a superhero because of their autism yeah. like other movies do, which is totally offensive. That, that's why I thought the first half of this was more offensive because this lady's playing with the concept of, well, maybe they can do things that we can't do. Like when anyone with this disorder would tell you, like, please take away this disorder from me right now. Right. I don't like having this disorder. Um, but listen, McAvoy, can we all agree? James that McAvoy he's, is incredible. He's, he's doing he it. Is, he it's, is one of the yeah. best actors that we have. right It's now. unreal. Yeah. His performance. And the thing that's amazing about his performance is it just comes in such subtle ways. You'll just see like micro. Yes. Expressions come across and you know that you're without seeing a cutting. Different person. Yeah. Um, like that is just unbelievable yeah my favorite favorite guy Hedwig gotta be Easily. Yeah. Easily. yeah I don't know I love Barry I just want to get I just want Barry to <laughs> come Barry. into my closet and just know. like give me fashion advice I haven't seen Split and like since I think we all saw it so I'm going off but like yeah I I I like I think James McAvoy is really great I think, I think Anya Taylor Joy is she incredible. is yes she, she is, is so good yes and I talk about her in Glass, but she gets grossly benched in Glass uh, versus how good she is. She's good in Glass. Well, yeah, she, her, and McAvoy develop a, a connection. You know, like over the course of this traumatic event, she's able to kind of like find one personality to really talk to. And, and the way that it's revealed, her whole backstory with yeah. Split um, is it's truly tragic and really yeah. like really classily done in a way that that could go a thousand ways wrong um yeah i wasn't sold on any of these kids until they started getting into her more i was so happy that they separated them yeah because the other girls suck well no not just they suck he doesn't know how to write high school girls and, and he insists on writing them there's a lot um, and just so, Dennis telling them to take their well, so, the, so those three girls interacting was awful it they they did not sound like human beings um, but once you separated them and you turned Anya Taylor-Joy into not a teenager anymore, but, you know, he's good at writing people that have gone through some shit because something must have happened at yeah. night growing up. <laughs> um, but <laughs> then that's when we have a dynamic character. He was and asked she, to play animals with his own. Um, yeah. And I almost <laughs> I almost felt bad for Anya Taylor-Joy because in a lot of scenes, there's not. If you're if we're cutting in between her and James McAvoy, who is switching in between twenty different guys, like the the contrast is not her fault, but it's just yeah. her like with one tear rolling down her big eyes, which did a lot of the work for her, and yeah. and then cutting back to him going like like doing some Robin Williams shit. She's playing a straight man, and then back to her like. I, okay. <laughs> I think we're not talking about like it's very interesting watching all of James McAvoy's personalities clash and scheme and plot with one another and split. I think that's just like a very fun thing to watch. I, movie. Yeah, I it's, found it it's enjoyable. Tough, it's tough imagining a, a different actor like really elevating that that part as much as no, he does. That, that's his. I can't yeah. really picture. I can't. Yeah. I can't really picture anyone else. Like he just absolutely he kills it. Like yeah. he's so good. He in re- it. Yeah, he did a great job. The movie itself. It's not selling itself like Unbreakable did as like a film where it just right. like this looks, you know, looks like it's shot digital. It looks like it's made for a standard audience of people in a theater watching a horror movie. And yeah. it, it, if I don't know if I were to separate myself and I were to just be like, oh, let's just go like watch the scary movie. I, I would leave feeling like I just, yeah, you get what you pay. Yeah, for. It doesn't feel like it's super attached to anything else. Um, you get your weird, good. your weird McAvoy the, shit. The funny thing about the end is that like 
because obviously so many people haven't seen Unbreakable that yeah. saw a split. But so if it ends, you see Bruce Willis. Well, yeah, yeah exactly. I was thinking <laughs> like that, if like, if it ends and you've seen Unbreakable, you're like, oh, this was a sequel the whole time. But then if you if it ends and you see Bruce Willis, you're like, holy shit. That's Bruce Willis. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! A ghost can see him. Yeah, they this is see- gonna. Well, this is gonna have also a sequel. The, it's, yeah. the, it's the funniest thing that that ending when he's sitting in that diner. They're like, "Hey, it's this, so clunky." This guy that <laughs> oh this god. guy that kidnapped three girls. It's just like the train crash but fifteen the, years ago. Is, this is what weirdly, was that guy's name who caused it all? Glass. <laughs> weirdly, that's the most like authentic thing to Unbreakable because it's just as clunky as the ending well, of Unbreakable. And the thi- okay, so a- an issue I have with both of these newer movies is that they should be in the past, judging by what happens in them. The You know, yeah. the, the mental hospital. A-, a lot of these tropes only can exist in the past, I think. A diner full of people watching TV together <laughs> or a-, a bar full of people just watching the news. Also, like, also nothing the else has happened in Pittsburgh in the last yeah. 15 years. Philadelphia. Yeah. Philadelphia. Oh, Philadelphia. Philly, sorry. Man. It just, I wish that Split would have started with like September 2002 or something. You know? It's true. Yeah. But I guess Bruce is old now. I, they yeah. didn't, they had a very small budget. They didn't have money to de age <laughs> like, him 20 years. <laughs> it's like 4 million, right? Or yeah. 5 or something. Um, I, I wasn't like offended by the, the, the fact that it was connected to Unbreakable. I didn't really care because, again, like Unbreakable is not a fucking action movie. It's like a sad drama. Not at all. Like, yeah. I didn't really get why you'd want to connect them, so I was very curious going into. Yeah, class. they're so, so starkly different, and yeah. I I think I enjoyed Split more because I wasn't wow. taking it seriously because it is like a pulpy horror, almost fun movie. Whereas Unbreakable is really it's swinging for a home run yeah. in terms of like this is cinema drama. Yeah, yeah like Robert Toss. Yeah, yeah. That's what I like about and I Shyamalan is that he's more often than not swinging for the fences yeah i was that's gonna i even my, wrote that down like sometimes yeah. it's okay to swing for a home run hit a double like that's fine it's better than directors that just only shoot for doubles and i like that he i mean he missed like happening then avatar and yeah then he Earth. yeah exactly. that was those are lady in the water don't forget lady oh in the water. right how could i forget <laughs> was, the scrunts and the snarks that was <laughs> that was his attempt to like do his own little piece about his own allegory about his own life. Can you believe how hard it is to be like a filmmaker in Hollywood? Do you remember what that what he who he plays in that movie? No. His cameo? He, I don't. No, no, it's not a cameo. In Lady in the Water, it's about Bryce Dallas Howard as a magical fucking fairy lady coming from a fantasy world to protect a ma- a man, a writer who oh. will change the world oh. through his works and create utopia. And that yeah, man is played you, by M. Night Goddamn Shyamalan. <laughs> and is another character in the I mean... movie who is a movie critic who <laughs> talks shit about unoriginal stories where there's a twist at the It is the most self-indulgent jerk-offery I mean, he is, I'll give him, yeah, I'll he give him that. Least, he is a jerk-off. At least he's writing original stories. <laughs> yeah, no, I like it. Yeah, it's I'm cool. And it's I cool. like nobody else is really doing yeah. that. And it's cool that he is funding his own movies uh, when no one else will. Luckily, he has the success to actually be able to afford to do that i like weird indulgent jerk coffee and night Shyamalan, which is probably like glass why i like glass as much as i do that's kind of where i'm yeah at. all right well let's let's take a break before yeah. we get into glass yeah. um but yeah we'll we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors don't do good we took a vow in summertime now we find ourselves in late december I believe that New Year's Eve will be the perfect time for their great surrender But they don't remember 
System. Like, yeah, I, was, I was like, oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> has gotten into the good place in 500 That's years. That's crazy. I mean, exactly. I was and, thinking that I was eating almonds. I'm like, oh, wait, these are very anybody, bad. <laughs> um, anybody watch True Detective? No, I was actually no. going to watch it today, but then I didn't want to be late to the podcast. It's, it's pretty so, damn good. Mahershala. Maybe we can make something like that. But only, that. only if you watch the Brexit movie. With Ooh, that's on HBO. That's Please a don't. Coming. Please don't make me watch. I think it's out. I'm gonna I put it. it on I'm there. gonna put it on your watch list. Did you guys see I'm that trailer? Have it, so it's right there every time you for that Zac Efron uh, Ted Bundy movie. Yeah, it's a, it premiered at Sundance. It looks offensive. Yeah, it does. <laughs> like I really felt bad there's, watching that trailer. I've been following a lot of the buzz on Sundance, and uh, there's been a couple really good. There was a movie called uh, The Lodge, like a horror movie, yeah. like a British horror movie, which I've heard is like more troubling than hereditary it's like this year's the hereditary um, yeah the lodge did you see what i retweeted about the ted bundy movie no. what um because i've been trying oh, to figure out because i was like no efron's not right like bundy was like all right looking they're going really hard into someone, like ladies man someone described efron as a sun god and that's kind of yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're just they're really like getting into the angle of like he would woo these women when a lot of the time he would just kill him he didn't this, woo that many women this is making me feel i get i'm kind of this i know this it's horrible idea for me he's just I hate he's it well so anyway i'm he's i was thinking if, if they actually went into like a better version of the movie and they really cast it i was thinking who could do it because so many people could do it better than efron like i was and even Chris Pine, Jake Gyllenhaal, would play a good guy who's Chris Pine can do anything Gyllenhaal. better Matt than Damon. Zac Efron. But here's here's the tweet. Here's the pick. <laughs> oh my God, it's Dennis. Glenn oh, Howerton. Glenn Howerton. Yes. I'm, Howerton. Yeah. Dude, like, He's, come on. Yeah. You know it almost he can play serial killer. Yeah. Well, it's almost too good because it <laughs> yeah. would read as a sequel. It would. <laughs> <laughs> it would read as that's what he left and always sunny re- Well, yeah, <laughs> and it would read yeah. as uh, funny, and it's not supposed to be yeah. funny. That trailer makes it look yeah. like a rip-roaring time. Yeah, I don't know trailer, why. Don't... Yeah, the trailer looks Did... like fucking Wolf yeah, of Wall Street. Yeah, don't make your serial killer movie look like a good time. Yeah, do you see that? You guys it... hear about the uh, the Nightingale? It's the sequel uh... to the from the Babadook director. Oh, yeah, oh, th- I saw a little it bit. It sounds like a, it seems like it's a very incredibly brutal, uncomfortable revenge What's What's your guys' movie. take on uh, the Babadook? I like it. I, I like the ending. A I lot. never. I still I, haven't seen it. I like it. I hate the ending. Oh wow! The ending is so stupid because they're just like, oh, we got to keep this thing as a pet now. And well, it's like it. a big old depression. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like what? Like, what? Well, the real Babadook yeah. was the friends they made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I I know we really really want to keep talking about Sundance. Can we but... talk about things that aren't glass? Are Let's we, are talk about glass. Oh, Let's I didn't know talk glass. Um, glass. 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 <laughs> The GL is silent. So we're talking about... <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> we're talking about um, M. Night Shyamalan's gorgeous little ass. <laughs> I will I will wait for everyone else to talk and before I get into it. Let's let's just go one by one uh, and kind of... Kind of how they do in court, like, Your Honor, like, you present your argument before we kind of get into the shit. So we'll just go one by one, no interruptions, and kind of state your... State your case All right, about um, M. Night Shyamalan's glass. My name is Drew Dietzen, and um, <laughs> now uh, I just saw this. Um, 
the thing is with Unbreakable took me a long time to digest. Split did not. It was very straightforward. Um, this movie, I would call it straightforward, but I don't think it wants to be. I like. I think it was trying to be something a lot like much different from straightforward. I think this movie is bipolar. There is a lot in this movie that I really loved. There's a lot that I like, and there is some things that I really did not like. Um, and that's true of most M Night stuff that I've seen in my whole life. So consistent with his... par for the course. Yeah, and it's you know like much like Split, it has a lot of really traditional horror stuff going on here. We have the mental hospital, we have the claustrophobia. Um, I as a whole, I don't love the movie, but I didn't have a bad time in the theater. Um, as long as the thing is, I know that he wants it to be like such a big picture masterpiece. And I think at the end really, (laughs) Harry's just fucking Harry's chomping at the bit right now to, (laughs) to talk. I think the, the end, uh, I appreciate what it was trying to do. I appreciate the ambition. I always appreciate when a filmmaker is really swinging for it. And he is, uh, I don't think he fully connected, but I don't think he totally missed either. That's it. All right, Harry, what did you think of Glass? Okay, so I love this movie. I that's, think this that's movie fair. is... See, I'm here for either take. I'm here for loving it or hating it. I, I can think, see both sides. I think this movie is bug nuts. I think it's incredibly <laughs> indulgent and oftentimes arrogant, but I like that it's a movie that looks at three very broken people trying to rationalize their trauma and also, I like the metatextual commentary that M. Night Shyamalan says about his movie in relation to superheroes. Also, the nature of why we even give a shit about these fucking cartoon character movies. I also really like Samuel L. Jackson and James McAvoy. And I think the ending has some structural problems that I do not care about. And I think it's incredibly thematically resonant. And I love it. As the podcast I really like says, it is a glaster piece. <laughs> is, it, is it a satisfying <laughs> conclusion to the whole well, trilogy? Well, I'm not expecting anything from this fucking bonkers weird-ass trilogy. Like, the first movie is a movie about the, a depressed man. Uh, the second movie is a creature feature. This is, like, a really long expository look at, like, these weird characters. And I actually also do think it's a very nice follow-up to Unbreakable. Like, the themes that they talk about in Unbreakable, just sort of, like, these characters who are trying to figure out their purpose and why they've been hurt the ways they do... And like, you know, how, you know, Samuel Jackson in the first movie is trying to twist the world to become more like what he grew up on. And that is a viewpoint that is not to do many spoilers, ultimately validated by the end of mm. uh, by Glass. I, it's got a lot of problems. It is not a masterpiece, but it is a great fucking time. If you really like the first movie, which a, I do. A Glasterpiece. A Glasterpiece. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Not a masterpiece. A Glasterpiece. All right, Hunter. All right. So... As you guys know, I've been struggling. The last three weeks, we've been very, very positive on this podcast. And that's oh, not my been, MO. We've been counting down the best. It's not my best. MO. Mm-hmm. Um, as you guys know, everybody listens to the podcast to hear me uh, hate movies. Um, <laughs> I'm here to tell you that I'm back. Oh, no. <laughs> Boys, he's back. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you perfectly summed it up whenever you said the words long and expository, and I would emphasize those two words For to sure. describe this. Yeah, it's very long. Um, I, my, some, my thoughts can best be summed up like act by act. Um, the first act, I was watching it, felt like the beginning of a superhero movie and i was like you know this isn't that bad like i don't understand like sure it's kind of clunky and everything and i could 
totally do without this father-son sub subplot that they're trying to cram in here, but whatever, you know, it's fine. Um, the second act, we get into this hospital kind of drama, and I was like, all right, this is pretty goddamn boring. Like, these scenes are dragging on, and why is Sarah Paulson not as interesting as the psychiatrist in Split? Like, this should be so much more of an interesting performance, and it's just not. The ending is rough to say the least um i thought that when m night tries to uh direct action it's truly horrendous well, i want to talk about <laughs> i want to talk about the action very much so in this movie and in unbreakable but we can get to that it's later. not great it's lots of uh shaky handheld cameras like of them like choking each other and that's why it's fantastic <laughs> <laughs> because it it is it's like they're not trying to do a big fucking battle it's like what would these people look like they'd just be shoving each other and it looks goofy <laughs> so it looks goofy I, unbreakable yeah. it's just I, I like it i'm gonna save exactly what happens uh with For spoilers the, uh, three twists that you get in this movie that none of which I found particularly interesting or think mm. that either of them worked. He's um, back. He's fucking back. I, is, there an, is there a name for this? Like the 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 hunt, hunters on the warpath or something? Yeah, I'm, I'm on the warpath. We need, yeah, we need a sound drop. Um, <laughs> I I don't hate this movie. Um, I didn't hate it in the theaters. I just don't think it's very good. Um, I give this movie like a four out of ten at the ending i will That's describe it damn man it's it's dislike it's okay. it's it's dislike to Charlie dislike it's pretty, four, it's it's, pretty i think low, i think man. it's below average five is my average i think that That's that is fair. just okay. a completely down the middle i treat my one through tens like a true one through ten should be treated should we, should um, we give like our final scores on all three as well yeah well i'll i just one other thing i wanted to say uh, about this ending that because I just keep thinking about the ending. It just left me on such a bad note. Um, what movie that I will uh, describe it as, and you guys are going to hate this, is Deadpool 2, the ending Yo, there. Whoa. Because it felt like it would never fucking end. I was like, oh my god, can this movie just wrap up? <laughs> it felt like the ending scene lasted like 30 minutes. Are, I was like, why um, is it taking so long? Why are you insulting the long? masterpiece that's Deadpool 2? I'm kidding. The movie <laughs> yeah. blows. It sucks. I'm kidding. I'm I, kidding. I'm okay, kidding. so I will give you this. I will say that there were a lot of shots or lines where you're like, oh, that's the last it's line. It's so yeah. repetitive. <laughs> it's so repetitive and, and self-indulgent. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah, I deeply disliked this. Okay, good, good, good. Wow. This was a rough, rough time wow. at the movies. I was bored to death. <laughs> I I wanted to leave. <laughs> I considered walking Looking out at, at one watch, point. Like, if it wasn't it. for this podcast, and I mean, because I have Stubbs A-list, so this movie True. cost me nothing. I yeah. could have just left and never thought and about I this kept, movie And I again. kept waiting for it, because when this movie starts... It starts on a great note. Like the yeah. first like ten minutes, I was like, "All right, here we go. Oh. We're back, David Dunn, Unbreakable. Let's do this." It shit. felt like the sequel to Unbreakable that we've been waiting for. Yeah, and I was like, "Fuck yeah!" Like M Night, he's got it. He knows what he's doing. He's in his mojo. And then the movie just absolutely grinds to a fucking halt, See. and it never recovers. I feel like that's where the movie gets cool. <laughs> it's just <laughs> then we bring in Sarah Paulson, who is just like Miss Exposition. Yeah, and I just disliked everything about her performance and her character and mr glass like doesn't speak for the first 45 minutes of the movie and it's just like i kept waiting for that moment where it's like okay it's, it's about to it's about to kick in but do you know it's who was speaking 
James McAvoy. Well, yeah, very but there's good. there's like <laughs> scenes that are just dedicated to being like, okay, let's pause the movie so he can act like a crazy person, and it doesn't advance the story in any meaningful way. But I like, like he's it. amazing. He there should be a better movie around him because he's tremendous. But like. I just found myself like waiting constantly for the movie to like get better and then it never does and then it absolutely goes off the rails at the end. <laughs> oh, I think the ending is the best part of the movie. So, Easily the best part. Um yeah, to your point about uh glass not speaking for the first half, this seems like an odd choice for a glass movie in which um yeah, Samuel L doesn't talk for half of the movie and David Dunn is just there's nothing i mean in unbreakable he's barely in the movie unbreakable really, that's a he's, surprise he's, he's very... a lot more like even though he plays he plays sadness very well in that movie and he has very understated role i think in this movie he just has a poorly written character like he has nothing to do outside the first 15 minutes where it's like a superhero action movie um also uh another thing because you know everybody has their superpowers is uh mr glass is his superpower just the power of perception he's just very... that he's he's really good at noticing things yeah, that people do brain. yeah he's real smart he's he's smart that's his superpower <laughs> is that he's he's got a pretty he's a super genius he's got a pretty yeah, cool. high iq it doesn't seem like he's a super genius oh he's a, seems, super genius. he's a super genius it just seems like he's smart Hunter. i feel like they could have done Hunter. more have he's him a super genius give him like a rain man solving a crossword puzzle in 30 seconds yeah so no super he that didn't but he is clearly an insanely super genius i just guy. think he's perceptive everything that he that's does what about everything he does like where, everything he's just perceptive he just that's his thing you is think pers- just, no no i think he's just perception, perception is about like watching and not doing things he does things i guess the difference here is that i did not really care for a standard sequel to either unbreakable or split so in the beginning of the movie when they're kind of squaring off i'm like this is fine i appreciate to kind of go on what's talking about earlier that i like that the fights are so fucking goofy and clumsy in both (laughs) unbreakable and this movie because that is like very much something he's choosing to do that that is not like he's made better action movies in the past he's intentionally framing these things that way Yes, and After Earth. I didn't find. I didn't find. You didn't the... see After Earth. <laughs> no, I didn't, and I'm never going to. I didn't find the action in Unbreakable uh, clumsily directed. I, I found it pretty well directed. No, the scene where, like, when he's fighting the guy, and the entire fight is just him choking a guy out, and like, I thought that was great. It's competent. It's yeah, a yeah, wide. It's, it's a wide yeah. still shot that doesn't really cut too much. It's not a shaky handheld. Yeah, like, it's, I thought that face. was great. I, I thought that was great. I still um, liked it a lot. In Glass. <laughs> We have some great cinematography throughout. Like, there's some really beautiful imagery. The way they designed this uh, um, hospital, I thought was great. Uh, the kind of weird, rundown, abandoned factory, I thought looked cool. Uh, and then the way he kind of puts the camera in the characters' faces as they're spinning around, I thought was great. Yeah. The introduction to James McAvoy when he's like running around the girls and the camera's just spinning in circles. Oh, is that Hedwig or what have you? Yeah, or, I yeah. thought that was, yeah, when he's on the skates, I'm I thought sure that was beautiful. Y'all noticed like, a shit ton of shots where like people are either being filmed through glass or reflected on screen. Right. So there was a lot of that going on. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought that the cinematography was really, really strong throughout, but the story just never grabbed me. And the characters I thought were uh, okay to bad. Um, and it kind of shits on the themes of unbreakable a little bit because it, the whole point of unbreakable is like, this could be, uh, in his head like it it's it teeters this line where it's like oh he's not necessarily we're kind of about to spoil yeah this do we want to put up the bumper spoiler 
this has to be a spoiler discussion. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I was about to get into yeah, it. Yeah, let's let's just bump it right now because we've all, we've we have a what wide would, what range. What would y'all what would y'all give it out of ten? So you're at four. I'd probably go around there. Yeah, around I, four. Yeah, you're at four. I walked out of the theater at a three, and that was like, okay, I didn't hate that movie. I'll bump it up an extra point. It, it, there's enough there in James McAvoy's performance in, and in the cinematography, the cinematography and just the fact that like M Night is doing something fucking nuts and out there. That it's not like a total train wreck, but I'd rather watch this over Bohemian Rhapsody, but (laughs) not over Green Book. (laughs) Oh my god, um, I would give it around, I think like a six. Okay, I didn't hate being at the movies. I wasn't taking it dead serious because I obviously the reason that the tone is so different between Unbreakable and Split is because of the year difference. So it's like, well, Mm -hmm. which one is it closer to chronologically? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be similar to Split, which has a lot of the same issues that this has. I do think this is worse than Split uh, because it it is messy. Um, I love the way it looked. Uh, the ending worked better than I wanted it to because I was like, man, this is come on. Like this is this <laughs> is so ridiculous. Yeah, but I love it. But I got goosebumps and I was like, why do stop it? Get down. Like I was yelling at my arm hair because I was like, <laughs> why did this work? Um I yeah, I really didn't dislike it. I didn't expect that much. Maybe that's a part of the issue. Uh mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm. Also, you were lower on Unbreakable, so you, that that expectation of like well, that being a great film. Well, either, and it's not. It's just it's not like he's going to go back to Unbreakable at this point, right? That was out of the question. Yeah, yeah that's, that's like that's, that's what I thought as well. Just, yeah. this is not going to be a like a, a, a on the ca- uh, caliber quality of Unbreakable. I, those days are, are long they're gone. far gone. Long but gone. with <laughs> with both Unbreakable and Split, the way that they kind of blended genres, I was expecting. The, some of that aspect to be here, but instead it was just like pretty down the middle as far as I found. Like I didn't really find there to be much depth as far as the filmmaking and the story went. So I will say that I actually think, I think we'll get into this. I think it's actually a very proper sequel to the themes of Unbreakable. Even the thing that you just mentioned a little bit about the, is it in his head or not? What have you? Uh, I don't really go by the numbers system. Uh, I'd give this uh, movie a B plus. I liked it Solid. very much. Okay, very and you would good. recommend it? I think. Well, I would recommend it if you really like Unbreakable or Split. Would yeah, you I recommend it if you it. haven't seen? No, Unbreakable. no, of course absolutely not. <laughs> and it doesn't that, work. Well, it's no. It's a sequel to two other movies. Yeah. No, it's not supposed to work otherwise. It's not what it's trying to do. Yeah. I'm sure there's people that are going to see this movie oh. without having seen. Sucks, yeah, sucks and there's going to be like, I what it, the hell am I watching? You right now? watched a sequel to two other movies. I'm sorry well, that I you mean, didn't well, see the other. Sarah Paulson does a lot to and catch you in, up. It's yeah. in the well, it's in the superhero mindset of films that you can miss three Marvel movies and then hop in. I can You'll still get the plot beats of everything. Well, I, I, can't, I can't look at. I can't like characters. look at it that way. It's just it's a sequel to two movies. I can't talk about yeah, like, other that's pe- the people's thing, perceptions. Is it like a lot of if we're talking about like characters not getting enough time and not being deep enough i have that same issue with every marvel movie mm. um my my girlfriend allison she hasn't seen most of them and she saw infinity war and she fucking hated it because was, it was yeah. nonsense yeah. it was complete nonsense, it's complete nonsense. Noise. Um, <laughs> like the, i think the the prevalent issue here is that it's not just like oh did you go to the movies two years ago it's like did you go to the movies two years ago and also like 20 years ago yeah right. this movie That's is tough. so indulgent it's very oh yeah, yeah, yes, yes. That's so, why I think that this this is a trilogy that's gotten worse and worse with every entry. Well, I don't personally. even like. I, don't, I think it goes unbreakable at like an eight, splits like a six, and then this is like a four. I, I would give I just, split a B. I would give 
glass to be plus. But I want to get back to what you were talking about with the kind of uh, you're talking about the the theme. Well, okay, yeah. So we'll put the spoilers. spoilers here. So if you haven't seen it. I guess go see it. Glass I, is a I sequel do to not, Split. I'll say I don't recommend this movie. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say spend your money on this, but you I know, heartily whatever. recommend it if you like M Night Shyamalan. That's okay. that's a very important caveat. Like you yeah. need to be know already in the ball. Into. Know what you're getting yeah. into, yeah. and you might like it. Yeah, like that's it. true. Or you might not. I don't know. All right. So yeah. So continue. So what I was thinking. I mean, I I find that fascinating that you think that maybe the the superhero stuff in Unbreakable is absolutely an allegory, but like it's yeah. not. I never felt it so much to the point that it might be entirely in his head because by the time he's lifting like all that shit, that, that point, that's pretty concrete evidence that that's, this is really happening. This is not like completely like him in a depressive spiral. Yeah. But, I do think though oh, that sorry. it's that, that I, th- I think that's pretty impactful in this movie with like that very long, very long expository scene where Sarah Paulson is breaking them all down. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think that's actually where that, like, those themes actually come into it and I'm buying it. I want to, I want to talk about that scene mm-hmm. because when it started, I hated it because it's absurd. They're in a long pink room, and she's assembled the three people who are the most dangerous people on Earth yeah. and sat them about three <laughs> feet from each other. They all have issues with each other. Um, and so I was like, this is just, come on. Yeah. But again, I, it's a, you know, I was expecting a pretty traditional horror movie, and that's a traditional movie stupid set piece. But, and then it went on for a while, but I felt it kind of had to because by the end of it, she did a good job of laying out her case. I think that kind of scene is dictates whether or not you're riding with this movie because she sits down. She's like, I'm going to talk a lot about superheroes and if you believe in them and why you do. And that if you don't not answer, that's fine. But I was like, I want to hear more about well, this. See, for I, me, break, break it down for, for me, me on paper. It's genius to have this idea of like exploring, like opening up that box mm-hmm. of like are these people just mentally ill? Yeah. Like, really, really exploring that. And I think that when M. Night was writing this on his laptop, he was probably like, fuck, yes, That's this exactly is what dope. he said. That's him writing <laughs> everything. <laughs> That's him writing an email. Yeah. <laughs> but then when you actually, like, shoot it and edit it together, there's got to be, like, some sort of tension to really keep you engaged. Or just a sense of visual storytelling, which there I isn't mean, I, in I that thought, scene. Yeah. I think it's just all... Writing. I thought it looked it looked nice, but, yeah, but as far as like the actual like delivery of the lines and the character work and the cohesion of the storytelling, I was just not into it at all. Like all I could keep thinking about was, oh, here's Sarah Paulson looking like uh, Michael Jackson with plastic surgery, and I. She's Be explaining. Nice she's she's <laughs> your Paulson. standards for women are too no. high. No, well, <laughs> damn. Okay, man. I I re- I think Sarah Paulson is an amazing actress, but and she does nothing. In this. In this I thought movie. she was fine. Well, I mean, she had the classic. It, almost no actor overcomes being a character that has a secret that completely compromises the entire being of the character. You know what I mean? Uh, it's hard to yeah. do that. She like what was she supposed to do? You know what I mean? So I I will say, um, getting back to comparing this to Unbreakable. Um, I think that we were talking about you're talking about the weightlifting scene, and I think that one thing about it's a fault to the movie, but also acts towards the allegory is that yeah, uh, unbreakable. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about the weightlifting scene. Yeah, um, yeah, like he weightlifts like three hundred and twenty pounds, and it's like yeah, it's a lot of weight. But a strong person could still bench press that. He doesn't bench press like 800 pounds. He doesn't just like bench a fucking car or something. That's what that I'm saying. That would prove that he's a superior. That's it what I'm still saying. That it, it, like, it, it rides this line. It li- yeah, it, it rides the line where to the maybe he's side. just really strong. He's not like superhuman like strong. Yeah, I, where this movie just comes fairly 
clearly on one side from the get-go, from the opening scene, and then tries to be like, no, 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 maybe what you saw was wrong. And you're mm-hmm. like, I, I don't buy any of this. I, I like that it finally, just because it's, I mean, I know that I like that it walks that line in Unbreakable, but I did not mind that it finally picks a side in Glass. Right. And I like what it's ultimately saying. I mean, just that idea of like, like the idea that like these characters are all having crises of belief in one way or other. Literally, the the uh, James McAvoy is having a holy war inside his head. And there's what? that moment where David Dunn is is yeah. talking to Glass over the intercom, and he's yeah. like, "What if this is all in our heads?" Yeah. Like he's he's truly doubting. It. And mm. and Samuel Jackson at the end of that movie, you know, they're all dealing with like, "Is are we fucking broken, crazy people, or is this actually a more fantastical yeah. world?" And I like that the movie ultimately. I know that's kind of like you know Samuel Jackson is not in a lot of this movie comparatively, but how he views the world and what he wants from it is ultimately confirmed and validated, which I think is why this movie yeah, has a title I that it does. I think that's a little you know? clumsy, though, because... This is at, a clumsy movie. <laughs> at first, I was thinking that M. Night was trying to say that we need to uh, to kind of break away from our over-reliance on comic book characters and superheroes mm-hmm. and to revalue, like our society's dependence and all that Mm -hmm. and trying to be like, look, like we need to be more grounded. We can't be attached to all these otherworldly things. That's definitely the plot of Incredibles too. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But then when the twist happens and all of these things are revealed, it was more like M and I was trying to say like, we need to appreciate comic books even more so than we do. I think what he's saying more is that it's, there's nothing inherently bad with belief or enthusiasm. I think that's also marked by in this movie, the hero thing plays for all of them when, like he, again, the hero theme doesn't play in this when he's beating someone up. It plays when David Dunn gets his jacket when uh, James McAvoy, when Patricia, Patricia, she says, "I believe, I believe," and becomes the beast. It's when they're being the way I saw it online. The kind of makes the most sense to me is that it's it's when they're being the most true to themselves, and that's what creates a a better world. This is all nonsense, but it's the kind of <laughs> nonsense that I like. Okay, so. so can we get into like the two or three? Um, twists that so are in first, this movie. So first we get the twist that Mr. Glass created the Horde. Was that a twist though? Because I was in Split. Was it? No, yeah, that's he... not in... It's it, it's revealed that he's on a train, but not that he's on the same train that David Dunn Oh, I just figured that was... On. That's what it was, yeah. I mean, it could... You're too fucking smart, exa- it's so It's so overly convenient that well, you the can thing just is, kind of think it out without even thinking that you like, I, uh, made a big discovery. I, I missed that line in Split, so I was like, what? Well, no, in Split, he, he lays flowers at a train station. I was like, all right, well, David Dunn's in this movie, and yeah, yeah. someone made it, yeah, so, so you figure, I figured... Well, that, that is the central problem with a lot of twists in this movie, I feel, is... Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't no one thought for a second that Mr. Glass was catatonic. You know what I mean? We all know <laughs> that was a good. That was a good. I knew he moment. was. I, I knew it. he was oh. fine. Yeah. Like the whole movie, it's like, yeah, he's twitching. But what is he going to be twitching? And then the movie ends. Yeah. No, he's up fine. He's totally fine. <laughs> he's like spinning in circles. <laughs> um, <laughs> by the way, I didn't. I when I actually seen this movie twice because I wanted to be sure I really liked it before I came on the. I saw it once by myself once with my girlfriend and my friends, and it actually held up. Which thank God. But like. I let the first time I was they like it they loved it nice. uh, we were and I was like listen okay. everyone hates this movie but I really <laughs> liked it and they were like yeah but um no like I the first time I saw the movie I left uh, for the bathroom when the flashback with glass when he's a little kid Boy, that's a painful scene. Oh, the the, yeah, the merry-go-round. The, the, oh, that's, yeah. That's the, all I had to say. Oh, that's thing. a painful scene. I, yeah, see, there yeah. Was, that was well done. Mm. That Well, that's why I call him so bipolar, because there are so many scenes in all these movies that are so effective. They do exactly what they're supposed to. Uh, you feel the consequences of the scene and its intent. 
Uh, and that's why when it doesn't work, you're like, man, you you had it. You just had it. Like t- five minutes ago, you had filmmaking down, and now you don't. <laughs> what, what I like, what I really, really like that you said is that he's got that kind of like really classical storytelling style, like that Spielberg thing combined. You know, this very you know modern take combined with all that corniness. And I actually really appreciate that because it's so fucking weird, and we don't see that at all. Right? In modern There's movies. nobody else making movies. Th- like this. this movie. This movie. You know, more spiritually and thematically, feels like something that very much supports. Samuel Jackson's really corny character. That's just <laughs> in its DNA, which is different than Unbreakable. It's different than Split, but I, I kind of appreciate it because he's he's trying something well, that I that, like. To that point, so the thing one of the things I hated the most about this yeah. movie is kind of similar to that, is that like they're calling out comic book tropes before it. they happen and then still do the thing it's in the comic so, book trope. It's, it's so, so weird. It's so do you so... wanna do you wanna get into the secret society? Yeah, okay. Oh, that's cool. Let's wrap that up. What that made me? I had just watched both Unbreakable and Split, and I was like, "Did I miss something in these <laughs> yeah, movies? Yeah, Did yeah. I miss that there was this secret the secret close-up of the clover?" I was like, "I was like, what, what? <laughs> is that supposed to mean something?" Uh, to yeah, me? well, it's uh, a three-leaf clover. There's nothing special about him. Oh, whoa! See. Harry's fucking playing. <laughs> Harry's playing fucking ball, boys. We'll playing chess while we're just watching a game of checkers. One of my favorite things about this movie, and it took me a couple of watches, just how because this movie is playing and like having metatextual commentary on the structure of modern superhero movies, like the the Osaka Tower, which is like we're gonna have a big final fight here. Nakatomi it's Plaza. Not, it's not yeah. subtle. I was thinking that the entire time. It's not yeah. subtle on the magazine. It's gonna be a backdoor diehard. Yeah. Sequel. No, but like it's it's not subtle on the magazine. You can see it's called like Osaka. Osaka Tower and like in a font it says a true Marvel yeah, and it's I in the Marvel yeah, yeah. and like yeah. the, the whole thing is like you know they're, they're just, going for it I'm v- I was yeah. I was very glad that they didn't end up there because that's where a traditional superhero movie would end I did appreciate that, that Sarah yeah. Paulson uh, told us that it was the tallest tower <laughs> she made <laughs> sure to, otherwise we wouldn't Osaka yeah. Tower the tallest tower I think I mean I think it's legitimate to say that like yeah it's it's kind of weird that they didn't see the 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 secret society twist in you can kind of tell when you watch it the second time because Sarah Paulson's like not acting like a normal doctor. Well, see, that's but it's that's, still very faint. That is yeah. the other twist that kind of bothered me because I mean, f- for no amount of time was I really like, oh, she has their interests at heart. Like, I yeah. really the whole time I was like, Sarah Paulson's a great actress. This isn't a home run performance. She has a secret, and then by the end, I'll be like, yeah. oh, also, I thought I thought she was indicative of like how bad M Night's dialogue can be because it's like it's that's not a real true. person. That's no. not that especially is, in no world is the, that a I think real the clum- person. I think the part of this movie that like is the clumsiest is when she's literally screaming the twist to a drowning yeah. David. Dunn. Yeah, no, no, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Is point. that they're like, it's just so overbearing with its exposition. The third David, act that wait, it's. I don't want you to like, miss. You can't this. tell him the twist yet. I don't want the you to miss co- the last ten the minutes for him to come but after. My, it has to happen after he's already defeated him. I, and then th- he, I, I think the big difference here is that like yeah that's just kind of what M. Night does and I just I think it's kind of endearing and he's just he's a fucking weirdo that just does these I just, crazy movies I just you know? did not like, find it endearing whatsoever yeah. I wish I wish he would write with a woman or a human <laughs> <laughs> I wish he, oh but if yeah. we are talking about M. Night, person. my favorite callback to Unbreakable oh, the guy? is yes. M. Night's character. Yes, yes, that yes. He's in, I, that actually made me so happy whenever you see him in the uh, in the um, 
alarm yeah, that was system fun. shop, yeah. and he's just like, yeah, I used to hang out with a bad, bad crowd back there. And it's confirmation, because in Unbreakable, he doesn't actually like do anything to that guy. He doesn't guy. find the he drugs on He searches him, no, and he's yeah. just like, all right, yeah, no, okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> and it's like confirmation that, like, oh, he was with the bad crowd. The, he and, was right. Well, hey, you know what? Shouts out to Spencer Treat Clark. It's so weird that that's his middle name. <laughs> I thought he was good. Son, I actually yeah. like Spencer yeah. Treat Clark. It should Clark be Snack. Um, <laughs> you look good. You look good. Yeah, he's doing he, a, he's Him doing and okay. Anya Taylor-Joy just get so benched well, yeah, in this he, movie. I thought they were like solid. Yeah, he's sidelined. It is a better repurposing of the same kid when they're grown up than the Santa Claus 2 is. <laughs> and that's my <laughs> wow, gold standard a, for most movie <laughs> like, things. I, I like that he was even in the yeah, movie. Well, exactly. I didn't think he was going to be and in it. He's fine. I didn't have yeah. an issue with him being sidelined because he was a kid in the first one. Who cares? Anya Taylor-Joy, that became her story in Split at a certain point. It became about her character. And she just does nothing except for come along in two different scenes to just, like, get the real Kevin out. See, and I, you're like, she's so much better than this, and she has nothing to do in this movie. I thought her conversations with, uh, what's his name, Kevin? Kevin yeah. Wendell, I thought I thought they're nice. I liked them. I don't know. Kevin what? Wendell Crumb. Ke- Kevin, Kevin I, Wendell That was one thing. Crumb. I forgot a lot about Split, so I'm like, who the fuck is Kevin? Oh, right. <laughs> Kevin. One, one, one of my favorite and craziest things about this movie, and it's fucking bonkers, is that, like, and work with me on this one. Tell me if you think I'm off on this. Mm-hmm. So, like, we were talking about Unbreakable came out before all of these Marvel movies, all of these yeah. DC movies. And in the, you know, he's, he's clearly talking about, like, story structure and how modern movies are perceived and like how we all believe in love or whatever the expected yeah and how we as a culture all believe in love superheroes or whatever you know so is the ending of the movie where basically the world's about to become a much more fantastical superheroic place is this him basically saying i am responsible for the birth of modern superhero (laughs) fandom because that's how i took it i'm like are you saying this man this is the ending left me on such a weird note because he's been going around everywhere saying like this is it this is done like we're not i'm not making any more movies here and then the ending just kind of opens up this whole can of worms that now because he's not gonna make another one he never has to address these issues that he's just come up with in the final 30 seconds of the movie i thought that was nice it's like yeah well, it's yeah no thing. that's the thing is i, I wanted I was... a true conclusion though and that's not a conclusion. well they all got drowned well the con- murdered. yeah, <laughs> yeah like the conclusion of the world is just like an eternity of a superhero world so like much like the one we the, have now the amount of avenues you could go down there is like a million movies and we don't want those no, right no, now i don't want them either I yeah. think we're good. I think there's more like he's more talking about the climate of the overabundance of superheroes in culture right now. I mean, I, this well, point, any, off in, any M. Night movie yeah. that comes out, I'm just going to prepare myself for just seeing like, oh, there's uh, a dude, dude just flying in the background. I will put $20 down that we never see a sequel or anything connected to any of these movies again. This felt That that final scene felt like, okay, I see what you're trying to say. Yeah, I don't feel like this exactly. is connecting to anything else. Um, yeah. I, I want to talk about uh charlene woodyard who is mother is, is cosplaying as an old woman <laughs> um five years younger than samuel yeah Jackson. younger than sam l uh did you see her in unbreakable like yeah. she looked she wore like a gray wig at the end which like you're still very young yeah, <laughs> yeah very she just obvious. yeah she has she, such a youthful face and they're really trying that makeup is not when, great well when they're sitting on the bench at the end and she's like has it been two hours since we posted it yet <laughs> <laughs> and I, I like it. There's just a lot of that type of stuff for me in this movie. A lot of clunkiness, um, a little bit of oversight. Not that it ruined it, but it did also, take points off. We all know that when you are expecting a, a big viral video hit, you go to the train station <laughs> and drink coffee. 
But I want to see how the video And wait is. for that shit to pop up on the TVs that people watch still out But that's where Bruce together. Willis was in Unbreakable, and I like that. Well, that's the, is it the same? It's the same. And actually, the, the last sound in the movie is a train arriving. I thought that was nice. Well, okay. see this. Ma- he's doing stuff. It's just, it's a clunky <laughs> I know. movie. I that, admit it. That's yeah. what I'm talking about, though. I, this needs to be in the past. So they go to the train station, and there's like a TV somewhere. Or they go to a bar, and, you yeah. know, I don't... I we want need to have an old person on. That's our demographic we're missing. We can ask them. <laughs> did people? Did you guys just watch TV together at a bar? Yeah. Because that's what they needed. I really yeah. I, going to a train station was really funny when two of these characters are extremely young. I, <laughs> like the old lady's like, "Hey, let's go to the train station." And they're like, oh, "Okay." I like. I like. I did, I, I was actually pretty moved by the cutback to like the original unbreakable scene where it's like the deleted scene. Oh, that one. That the oh, deleted yeah, yeah, scene yeah. was good. I thought it was cool. Yeah. No. I Great mean, use of. All, of, All of uh, your footage. critiques and complaints are very valid. I just think what this movie is swinging for is like so weird and enjoyable to me specifically that I just I'm, I'm fine like overlooking them. I, I thought it could it could have been so much better for me because I as I as I felt going into it and as the movie kind of started up, mm-hmm. it, it was like the you know the first like 15 minutes or so was like the perfect the 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 perfect way to blend unbreakable and split the best yeah. parts of each movie coming together i i found the first confrontation between david dunn and james McAvoy to be really really effective that was cool i was so into that that was so much of a better fight sequence than what you get at the end I yeah just, i don't i don't watch these movies for the fights though i'm not talking about just like, like i just meant in general like if you're gonna have a fight in the first act and a fight in the third act you should have yeah. a better fight in the third act <laughs> i thought they were both pretty clumsy because that's what these movies look like well okay i want to jump back to the the secret society bit for a second because i i'm having trouble wrapping my brain around three leaf clovers ernest they're nothing special so okay so they gather the arm they gather gather in restaurants (laughs) (laughs) i was thinking i'm like to come in and everybody just shuts well no no they they wait for other people to leave so like how long are you sitting in the restaurant (laughs) just chatter 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 somebody walk up and they're like we're on an eight hour wait (laughs) go away hey we had a weird buyout (laughs) (laughs) um okay and then and then their whole purpose is to find superheroes, mm-hmm. find out if they actually are su- real superheroes and not just mm-hmm. crazy people, and then kill them. Well, no, yeah, it's... historically they've killed them. Sarah Paulson is the new humane leader. She's trying to at least attempt they to convince them they're crazy. Lobotomize them. So well, that they yeah. don't get killed. Just want to keep shit boring. Yeah, because yeah. then <laughs> they can either lock them up in an insane asylum or kill them. Yeah. yeah. It's basically what her goal is. Uh, yeah. It's not aggressively realistic. But this is a society people, that's so it's been know. going on for 10,000 years. And that's not offensive to people with mental disorders? <laughs> like, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, that's that's putting a lot of real-world stuff into this movie about, like, monster people and, like, wolfmen. Well, but like... M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> is bringing it upon yeah. himself by bringing in real-life things like mental illness well, into his movie. So yeah, I like, don't think that you can completely separate those things. I, but depression and, like, a, a movie where 18 people are taking over James McAvoy, those aren't, like, 23. Entirely. 23 no, you're 24, right I don't know I keep thinking it's 18 you know, yeah, you I know guess what I just realized you know what because of this society you know what is canon to this universe is everything like 
the oh. Iliad, the Odyssey. Oh, they killed Homer. Yeah. <laughs> they, you, they killed you think, Homer. Yeah, you think that dude didn't get a fucking knock on his door from these people when they found out he was like killing lions and cyclopses? Yeah. They were like, hey, so you're just a normal guy? Or? Go, yeah, oh my David God. and Goliath. Sarah Paulson yeah. killed Jesus. The whole Bible is... <laughs> yeah, Sarah Paulson killed, killed Jesus. Exactly. The whole everything... That is Wabam canon. <laughs> yeah. We are blowing up these mics. M-, <laughs> M. Night is taking credit for everything in the past and everything in the future. <laughs> the guy's fucking insane. And I like that. Honestly, I'm it with is. you. It's I'm like, you know what, M. Night? Do it. Like this movie, I, I don't know. Like there's a there's an alternate version of this movie where it's like a more generic like fight, like action movie between David Dunn and Mr. Split. And I'm like, I, I like that this movie is like just like this essay lecture series about like the nature of superhero. I'm like, I, all right, man, let's do it. See, I, I agree with some of the aspects that you did enjoy about this movie, yeah. but I just don't think that they worked for me. I yeah. wish that I wish that these themes were in a better movie. Fair enough. Really yeah. I, I, I know I'm the weirdo on this I one. I think that M. Night actually managed to write a pretty damn good screenplay that uh, avoids all of what could be pitfalls of making uh, a modern superhero movie, mm-hmm. but then doesn't really do anything interesting with them. Like, I, I think that, that you know, aside from the shitty expository dialogue, there's some really thought-provoking shit in this, but... He just he wasn't able to put together a compelling film, in my opinion. It just it never like I never really cared about what I was seeing. How did you all feel that that's all fair? How did you all feel about the scene where they all get murdered viciously? <laughs> um, that I did not. I well, thought that that was as clunky so as it gets. And there's like the holding water, David Dunn's face the in water like tank just a little cracking. puddle, yeah. like a three inch well, puddle like of water. I was like, like Jesus, you killed him in a puddle. Like that's hard. <laughs> they couldn't have even used like it would have. No. They didn't like throw him in the tank and shut the lid on or anything like that like it's no they just shot him in a fucking puddle murder and he's supposed know? to be so strong and he couldn't like well he's chuck these dudes off he's in the water yeah. I, I get it. so then it, it then it kind yeah, of that's true. fails on yeah. the most basic like of superhero level is like you face adversity and you overcome that adversity yeah but he has kryptonite well having kryptonite yeah. is fair like that's fine um I was bothered when Sam Jackson was dying and he was ta- still talking about comic books. Oh, I was so in on <laughs> that. that. Was, oh, Dude, that God. is this weird loser character. That who that is who he is. He's that's why I, it took me a long time to yeah. get like vibe with his Sam mom, Jackson's character. His mom's like weeping and he's like, "This is canon," <laughs> <laughs> and he dies. No, that I wasn't a mistake. Uh, I wasn't a mistake. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It uh, I all those complaints are valid. It just it worked for me. So yeah. All right. Well. That's glass. I wish it would have worked for me. I really, I honestly, truly wish that it would have. Maybe you should for watch it. Maybe watch it again sometime because I feel like that's one like you can revisit. Maybe and ma- I may- have no maybe. desire Pardon to maybe. see it again. Maybe in Fair like enough. twenty years, grow on me. When fun. the sequel comes out. Well, it's well, it's yeah, really no. interesting how much you didn't like this because this movie reminded me a lot of the new Halloween movie in a lot of ways. Oh really? Um, yeah. Just did you pre- see it, Harry? Yeah, I thought it was kind of scattered, but I liked it. Um, just in terms of like, there are probably 15 minute sequences where no actual person is talking. They're written by robots. <laughs> yeah. True. It's just stuff like that. I prefer watching movies that are indictment on podcast hosts though, than superheroes. Cause that's more relatable to me. <laughs> that's yeah. Cool. I'm break, uh, Halloween was like, uh, Oh great. This is a great conceit where you're bringing back Jamie Lynn Curtis and you're going to use her like one fourth of the time. And, <laughs> and then cool. back to high school and that, well, yeah. that's how I Happy feel about Shyamalan. I have the same problem with his movies is there the allocation of what we're watching is so 
strange. Do you do you think that because he says in interviews like, oh, I, I've been paying for my movies myself so I can like feel the fear and you know feel the pressure being a filmmaker again, or is it that he's not getting funded? <laughs> I think that it's that. I think it's because he's partnered up with Jason Blum. It's become a good a partnership. But yeah. Jason Blum's like, hey, I have three million dollars here. Like, I'm not giving you a big budget. He's just yeah. like, all right, well, I guess I'm gonna take out another well, mortgage he, on my house he's now. Mortgaged his house well, for glass, well, which the, is insane. The, yeah. the other thing is. Um, even if he's getting, if he if he's able to sign a contract for this movie and they're going to fund it for twenty million dollars, they're not going to give him all the creative power. Whereas if he funds it, he makes all the choices. Basically, I think this is a movie where he made all the choices. <laughs> before before we wrap up, um, Robin Wright did not even get a okay, phone call. No way she's coming. No way she's coming. No, I I made a note whenever I saw this movie. It's just like. Uh, David Dunn's wife is dead, aka they couldn't get Robin. No Wright way in hell yeah. she coming yeah. back. Like, the no most way. relevant actor in the in the movie. Robin Wright was just like she's more relevant than Bruce Willis. Yeah, they were like Robin Wright was just like got a call from M Night and she just like laughed and hung up the phone. I'm too like, busy now. being president. I'll, I'll be honest, I actually like Spencer Treat Clark a lot more in this movie. I thought he because he's a child actor. I thought he was kind of bad and Unbreakable. I really was not like that kid weirded me he out. Wasn't su- <laughs> he has black eyes, <laughs> little <man>. devil eyes, <laughs> scary. I don't know. All right, well, that about does it for this tremendous episode of uh, We Bought a Mic. So thank you, guys. It's been good. It's, it's been, been a good, good episode. Um, you're welcome. Good. Yeah. Um, so Goodbye. check us out on social media at We Bought a Mic. Email us at uh, WeBoughtAMic at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought of Glass, if you saw it, or Unbreakable. Let us know what you thought of Oscar nominations. Should Glass be nominated for Best Picture? I think... I think it's up there. It's I, in the conversation. I would say you could give James McAvoy maybe best supporting if you really want. If to. you stretched it, well, the, yeah. they have the amount of respect they have for this genre. Oh, much less a movie like mm. this, which is really going crazy. Mm. <laughs> <It could> not, <laughs> what happens in twenty nineteen, like late twenty nineteen? Is like, all right, best supporting James McAvoy. <laughs> <laughs> We're bringing it back, and for January movies at all, that would yeah. be a bigger in, twist than anything. In, oh my in god. Class. <laughs> I'm I'm actually looking forward to whatever the hell Shyamalan does next. I like this weird resurgence he's been having. I mean, yeah, this is yeah. it's a box office success. It's at seventy five mil well, right now. I think I, so. I really I like movies that are fun to talk about. This we, is yeah. If we looked out there and tried to find someone who had a positive view of the Predator or a Wrinkle oh, in Time, no, it would yeah. be really hard. But this is a movie. When I saw it, I was like, I could see loving it and I could see hating yeah. it. Those are I like those movies more than I like just medium movies. One hundred percent agree. This I've been looking forward to this one for a while. Just yeah, a newbie. It'd be interesting. Exactly. And it's yeah. it's always more fun to to have the different opinions than everyone just going around being like, yeah, it was great. I don't know. Sure. I would have rather seen The Upside, personally. What but... is The Upside? Woof. You haven't seen what the trailer is for The, the upside? upside? Do you ever see... Oh, the Kevin Hart movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't yeah. want to watch that fucking... Uh, <laughs> whenever I was freaking... leaving Glass, I heard a few old people talking about it, and they was like, yeah, I just saw The Upside, too. Hilarious. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> Hilarious. My, my, dad, my dad was like, should we watch The Upside? I'm like, no, we should not. <laughs> no, we hey, should not. I did hear The Kid Who Would Be King is pretty good. Yeah, the uh, Joe Cornish movie? Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested. I didn't even know it was Joe Cornish. I know. At same, I was like, wait, really? It, okay. The trailer looks horrible. It does, so but, like, but Joe Cornish. It's, it's a Patty Stew. Sir Patty. Mm. Hey, next mm. week we have Miss Bala. Fuck me. What is that? <laughs> what is that? Miss oh, Bala. That's the the bullet. Oh, <laughs> bullet solves everything. Kill me, kill me. That's one of those movies where it's like the they were like, okay, I want a shot of a girl in a hot dress with a gun walking slowly to the camera. They, Let's build a movie around. It's like that. yeah, no, no. It's it's the like Mission Impossible approach where they come up with the set <laughs> yeah. pieces first and then they write yeah. a script based or around even, it, or even they come up with the trailer first. Yeah. Like yeah. I was just talking about Wanted. 
Because yeah. we were talking about oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. That's a trailer first movie. <laughs> <laughs> what was y'all as uh, I know, I haven't listened to your podcast yet. What was y'all's favorite movie of the uh the year? Mine was eighth, eighth grade. grade. Yeah, eighth our grade. Minding the Gap. I've seen no movies. Mm. Uh, so I think I'm do, you have, do you have Hulu? I do. Watch Mine in the Gap. Watch Mine in the Gap. Gap. Okay. It's one of the yeah. best documentaries. And, no. and Eighth Grade is on Amazon I know, Prime. I need to see that. Oh, it's on Amazon Prime? Mm-hmm. Okay. I would give mine probably, honestly, uh, Hereditary. It's the most. Nice. It, it, I, it hit me the hardest I love year. Hereditary. I haven't yeah, seen a much. lot of movies. So if I had to pick right now, it would be Hereditary. Did you see Roma? Uh, no, because I just, I, I'm, I know it's too late to see it on the big screen, but I really want to. But I know mm-hmm. I can't. So Watch it with headphones on. Okay, yeah, that's that what I'll do. Yeah, right. in, in the big on the biggest screen possible. Yeah, I, biggest I the biggest phone TV. that you have. Yeah, take your phone, <laughs> hold it really close Jesus. to your face. Get under the covers. <laughs> I Alfonso Cuarón is probably my favorite director. So I am. Like, yeah. Children of Men is. I just fun. I just yeah, saw awesome. Itu yeah. Mama Tambien for, Ooh, the, for the first yeah, time. Yeah, that masterpiece. That's my favorite Cuarón movie. Even over Children of Men. I saw Children of Men when I like I snuck into Children of Men in like sixth grade and that was a lot wow. in theaters oh yeah yeah wow. well, back when i was a kid like sometimes i went to see movies with friends or like my friend's parents would take us if i got bored i would like say i had to go to the bathroom and just go to like whatever r-rated movie was in the theater because like that's the only time i'd be able to like sneak in and see it so i saw like four three quarters of a uh, children of men he's <laughs> very that, fun yeah. yeah wow good Holy movie shit. <laughs> it's definitely my top five ever that's, just those three quarters never actually yeah. seen no, i've seen the whole yeah no yeah ending sucks <laughs> all right we gotta we gotta wrap it up what, what do you guys want to plug um, you can check me out on Twitter, Letterbox, and my website, Ooh. Hunt Mobley on Twitter and Letterbox, huntmobley.com. Um, Hashtag. So big, uh, big things. I uh, just posted my list of top TV shows of the year, hey. and I'm going to do an article explaining how uh, the Oscar preferential ballots work and then giving my own preferential ballot for what my Oscar ballot will look You should like. do a takedown of glass. Hashtag on the warpath. Get it on the warpath. <laughs> I'm just on the warpath. <laughs> on the hunt. <laughs> on the hunt. There we go. You can. Um, uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go you ahead. can find some of my work at uh, the Orange Observer newspaper group, Winter Park Maitland Observer, and Baldwin Park Living Magazine. And I am on Twitter, uh, Harry J Sayer. I do not tweet, so don't hold your breath. Mm. I'm mainly on Twitter at uh, Drew D I E T Z E N. Drew quotation the Keebler Truther. Yeah, the Keebler Truther. The uh, truth is If out you're following there. my saga, I'm I'm very sorry. I, I ended up reaching a hefty cash settlement with the Keeble estate. I'm no longer <laughs> no longer allowed to tweet about how Max Keeble definitely did 9-11 <laughs> and Josh Peck definitely was involved. Little Romeo watched. Uh, there was nothing in the settlement about the podcast because they didn't know I have a podcast. So I'm going to continue ringing my, ringing my bell over here. Uh, but they're on to us. They're on to you. At least. Well, that's this is why we have to keep it at such a low level of quality. We yeah, have to, if we get big, I'm going down. I'm okay. losing my mansion. Right. Yeah. Just wait it's for a fine line to walk, y'all. I can't wait for <laughs> you to make it as like a big movie director, and this will be like your thing that somebody uncovers is that you yeah. think the Max Keeble did 9 11. He's joking about <laughs> Alex be, D. Linz. This will be your Brian Singer pedophilia. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I actually did that back in high school. I started a Twitter account, and the only tweet I ever posted was 9 uh, 11 was an inside job, and I just never got back Whoa. to it. <laughs> Hopefully, that doesn't come back to me at some point in my did life. You hear that, Winter Park Maitland Observer? <laughs> Are you QAnon? It's that's it that's, that's me Harry Q Sayer and whatever <laughs> yeah. alright and I'm at Calderonist on social media Letterbox, all that shit um, stay tuned for next week I want to talk about this new movie on Netflix called Velvet Buzzsaw oh, and man. we may have Hell a special yeah. guest on there for that, that someone, man. someone who hasn't Harry been on the again? podcast no, yet oh. uh, so stay tuned get excited it stars Jake Gyllenhaal it's from the same 
director is Nightcrawler. So I'm excited. Something truly strange is going on. <laughs> Thanks for coming That's on, good. Harry. Thanks, man. No really uh, we'll have you on, I'm sure, sometime, sometime. soon. Goodbye. Peace out. Later, ladies. All right. We on a drive, looped in to see ride, cooped in. Who gon' slide? Who's in? Big rocks round new ten. Fleetwood down new sand to see ride, cooped in. Don't leave round new sands. Don't be around new friends. We just be mile high clubbing. I'm on a thousand miles running. It ain't go downtown, sunny. Then moving uptown, money.